No, or two? I'm, I'm, I'm on to my third. You're on to your I'm, third. I'm on to, and it's infuriating, and I should only be on to two, but hmm. the this absolute wanker of a scrutineer down at, <laughs> Go on. So the, my first helmet was a motorbike helmet. I had yeah. that for years. Yeah. It fitted me like a glove, loved it, you know, did the job. I don't know why we need coloured, you know, Fancy Lewis, Lewis Hamilton-looking helmets, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, Not one for And, and mind you, I, I had to pay my way for most of my, my – yeah. Motorsport, you know, mum and dad would help out a bit, but you know, and then so, so when I saw a three hundred dollar helmet that was cams yeah. approved, I went, hell yeah, so we're getting <laughs> that. So, and then I, I, I had to get a helmet for a hand, when hands devices come in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, that carried me all the way till to the start of this year until this scrutiny, and I just put stickers on it. There's yeah. some sponsors I had just put stickers on, but then this absolute dickhead of a scrutineer um, saw the stickers and said, "You can't." You know, what, we, you can't have that. You're hiding. You're hiding something. And I went, mate. I've had this for seven years, and no, I'm not hiding anything. I can start peeling some off if you want. Check them because I had some spare stickers. So, and then he, he just went off on this tangent. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to On The Couch With Hooli. This is Australia's number one motorsports podcast, where we interview motorsport personalities from all sides of the track, both locally and internationally. Whether it's two or four wheels, flat or dirt tracks, we get to know their stories. Hang on, Hooli. I just want to point out some key information for our listeners. What makes this podcast different is your host, Hooli, is a racing champion himself. That's definitely true. I ask the questions others might miss who don't have the experience behind the wheel. And a big kicker that makes us so different from the others is we're not here to get the latest headlines. Yes, we cannot emphasise that enough. We want to hear stories, lessons learned, challenges faced, the highs and lows, but we don't want to bully, pester or in general be assholes to our guests. Well, that's enough from us. So let's get into it and hear it from our next guest, Beyond the Helmet. On today's episode of On the Couch with Hooli, we've got the charismatic TCR driver, Jordan Cox. Jordan is well known for his successful racing career in TCR, including winning on a national stage. He's raced everything from Suzuki's to Honda's to Alfa Romeo's and even to the mighty Peugeot's. A mechanic by trade, Jordan owns and operates a mechanic workshop in the southern suburbs of Sydney. In this episode, we learned a lot about Jordan that had us laughing from start to finish, including his disdain for painted helmets. Anyway, that's enough from me, so let's hear it from the man himself, Jordan Cox. Uh, all right, anytime. We're yeah. all good to go. Yep, we're good to go. Cool. Well, George, we've been reaching out for ages to get you on the podcast. So first of all, how was the traffic here and um, are you ready for Christmas? Uh, traffic was plentiful, mate. You know, this is far north Sydney and I'm... Yeah, you know, the other end is the south side of Sydney, so I had to travel many bridges and many roads to get here, but we're, we're here. So, um, mate, yeah, I got a few friends that live up here actually. Oh yeah, Who? so I spent some time. Oh, from just school and whatnot. So, oh, yeah. that's all right. And um, they, yeah, we go around Manly, and you know, one of them, Charlie, he's up at Mona Vale, um, which is just a million miles away from here again. So, um, it's a good part of the world. Reminds me of Cronulla a bit. 
Yeah, right. Are they are they in that 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 um, fan base that you bring to the track? Are they a part they of that? Are they, they, they are. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, they're they're the guys that have absolutely no idea about motorsport, but they know a guy in it, and they're like <laughs> just like eyes wide open when they get to the track. They're like, wow. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's funny. I grew up with them, so um, yeah, I was I was the the black sheep in the group, you know, in the cars, and none of them were in the cars at all. Yeah. And uh, here they are, they're loving it. So, yeah. <laughs> so you got to tell me, I've obviously known you from the outside point of view, like most people, and you've had a few interviews since you met me. But, um, yeah, so tell me about, like, how you grew up and stuff because I've never known that, you know. I know your dad was a, a car racer, a hobby racer. Yeah, yeah, he was a grassroots racer himself. So um, just just like every other man. Yeah. Kid, really, nothing uh, out of the ordinary. So we, um, Sutherland Shire based uh, in Sylvania there. So we, um, yeah, grew up by the water a lot, you know, surfing, swimming, uh, boating, um, you know, most of Sydney's based around the water if you're on the eastern side. So, uh, yeah, and then, um, yeah, it's funny, got sucked into cars with with Dad. Uh, he He had escorts in the early days. Running improved production and and uh, then he bought a, a Honda and you know then when I was fourteen fifteen I developed a love for mechanics. Um, never got the opportunity to drive. You know, Dad, Dad had often teased me. Um, you know, if you do well in an exam, you know you can we'll get you a go kart and then I'd never do any well in an exam. So <laughs> <laughs> we never got the go kart. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we yeah sort of. Just a, yeah, had some great friends. Uh, it, it, funny enough, went to Newington in Stanmore. So mm. we went to Sylvania High for a year, then went there. So got two different, very strong group of friends from different uh, schools. So yeah. uh, still see a lot of them pretty often. So which is good. So um, which schools was it? Newington and what was the other one? Sylvania High. Sylvania High. Okay. Yeah. So went to Sylvania High in Year Seven. Yep. And uh, got kicked out of there. Yeah. I, not, not, no, I didn't get kicked out. That's probably <laughs> a too I think I was. It was advised it'd be best not to come back. What, <laughs> what was that? Yeah, what did you get up to? Well, <laughs> I, I never got up to anything bad, but um, I was the kid that was always just involved in the stuff. You know? Yeah, you know, never anything. You know, didn't you just caught know, didn't, up didn't kick a crowd? teacher or anything silly like that? You know, like but yeah. it just it was always the the kid just you know. Yeah. So um, anyway, afternoon I went and. Um, yeah, put me on the straight and narrow, <laughs> so so to speak, which is better than um, I don't know, sent off the army or something weird like that. So um, yeah, so yeah, then you finished doing there, that was great. I had a really good year there. That um, lot of lot of really good friends and uh, down to earth, good good people. So we just had a catch up in the city. Mm. Actually, sorry, Bondi on the weekend. Nothing's changed, you know. Yeah. So all from uh, Newington. Yeah. 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 So, and so they all basically don't like cars just by – and you're just the one that races cars. Oh, one it. of them sort of into cars, but, you know, just and then another one sort of into it as well, but some of them just like <laughs> couldn't care less. But they're, they're, they're happy to see. It's funny, it coincides a bit with the drive to survive thing. Yeah, right. so oh, motors, Motorsport's just been brought to the world basically it seems. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and what, now that now that the common folk have been uh, educated <laughs> on it, <laughs> um, you know, now they're starting to get into it too. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know a guy that – Races. I was like, look, you know, just I'm just a part-time guy trying to make it. You know, I'm not yeah. Daniel Ricardo. So, <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, they're, they're into it. it do, do they school. go to the track though and think that it's going to be like Trotter Spots <laughs> Survive when you turn up there? Like there's all these cameras and shit around you. And yeah, I mean, there is some, but they, yeah. they hype it up a bit. But yeah. 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 So with you, you're um, obviously we'll go back to your start of your career, but now you're racing with Gary Rogers in the Peugeots, aren't you? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, funny. Yeah. So, yeah, 18. When I turned 18, I had my first race. Mm. Um, yeah, which is in pre-production. I got a little Suzuki. So we've still got that car. Um, still run that every now and again. And then, um, yeah, I just was on and off. Um, grassroots racing club. Wanted to, you know, drive and enjoyed it. And, you know, but never really knew of an avenue to, to go further. And um, TCR came along and had the right people around me and we put it all together and here we are racing Peugeots with GRM. So it's bloody, bloody awesome. Yeah. yeah. you got to tell me about, yeah, because everyone's known you for your, obviously your orange Honda Swift, which I know we're not I'm mixing Civic, the two, yeah. mixed two and the two yeah. and two together. <laughs> your, your Civic, that was known for when you got me to get you on board with that Facebook page. That's it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny, like my motorsport, um, <laughs> the way motorsport, I approached my motorsport then uh, changed after that. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a quite a private guy. Like, you know, wasn't big on Facebook, didn't have Instagram and, you know, 2017, if you didn't have Instagram, there's something wrong with you. So, yeah. um, you know, and then it was cool to, to, to see uh, the the response that people got from, from my driving and, and obviously that Bathurst that year in the Civic you know, got captured right, right time, right place, and Terry Nightingale, the commentator. Yeah, he he, he pumped it up. <laughs> we laugh about it every Holy. time we we see it, and um, yeah, I have a beer for that one. I think still so. Um, and uh, it funny just ran with that. You know, it was good to get noticed, and and it's um, it's funny like uh, you know when the, when that all came about, I was like. This, uh, this isn't the first time I've done this, you know. Like, I've, yeah. I've got heaps of in-car videos I can show you doing, you know, wild, you know, yeah. sending passes. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was good It was good to sort of then get a, a bit of a following and people that, yeah. you know, enjoyed. But did you know, your dad basketball. Did your dad basically teach you how to drive or did you teach yourself because there was cars always around you? Do you know what I mean? Because for me and like for other most most races that you'd race against come from the go-karting background. So it's kind of like in our nature to progress in a way where you've come in just from driving cars and working around cars. Yeah. So how did you reckon and, you picked up that And I thought that, that was quite normal until I I got to TCR and went, cross, this big kid's been racing. He's 18 and he's been racing for 15 years already. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so um, you sort of realise the levels and – to the game and then the experience that a lot of the guys around you have. Um, but, mate, to answer your question pretty much, um, we, yeah, self-taught. Um, dad helped me along the way, but yeah. anyone knew my dad, yeah, it's, but was you know, it you're, like- you're being self-taught anyway. So it's, um, uh, it's funny, I remember uh, the first track day I ever had was Oran Park South Circuit. Yeah, right. We managed – no, sorry, it was at Wakefield Park. Wakefield Park, yep. I, I can remember my early days of driving cars on track. I was 16. Yeah. And I just remember it to a tee and loved it. You know, I can remember battling to get a 118 around Wakefield, mm. thinking, hey, how good is this? You know, <laughs> loving every minute of it. And, you know, you know, today's standard road cars would do 110s around, you know, yeah. Wakefield. But – was this you know, in the Swift that you were doing? It was in the Swift, yeah. yeah. It, was my first, it, was a, it was a motor car that we had. It was, I did some motor cars when I was 14. That was actually yeah. my first 
motorsport. Um, yeah. So I, did, I only did a few of them, but but loved it. And um, and then Dad said, "Oh, we'll get you a track car." And Dad was pretty busy with his business he had going, and then his own racing. He, he, he had the opportunity to do some racing that he never had before. So he was hell bent on you know um, focusing on his driving. But every now and again, I'd you know we'd go to the track once once or twice a year, and then um, yeah, did did track days, and then yeah. So basically, I remember him on the wall at. Oran Park telling mm. me to come closer, come, you know, as I'm yeah. going down the straight and trying to tell me point there. And, you oh, know, so you so, didn't have any radios. You were basically like learning no, the ways. No, because apparently I was taking the entry quite shallow at Oran Park. You know, you, mm. the South Circuit sort of cuts in just before the first corner. Yeah. And, you know, he's saying, come close to the wall and trying to signal it while he's behind the wall. So, yeah. Um, and then that was like, a, I remember that clear as day. That was like a 38 degree day. There was three cars there. That was a track day at Oran Park. There yeah. was three cars there and and uh, had the whole thing to myself and I killed the car. Yeah. Blew up my first engine. <laughs> um, Might have been. As a 15-year-old uh, or 14? Uh, yeah, no, I was 16. 16. 16, yeah. yeah. And then, um, then the car sat. Yeah, I only did track days for a year actually when I was 16. So, yeah, then the car just sat there for two years until we – it's crazy to think about it though, like to what we're dealing with now where you're working with John and there's basically one track in Sydney and you have to go outside of New South Wales mm. to go to another track where you're just saying then where you could basically go to Oran Park and there's three cars there and that's the day. Oh, incredible. Yeah. It was um, my first day at Wakefield, right, was mm. first ever track day I was at Wakefield. There was six cars. That's it. Six cars. six cars. It was just a Wakefield speed off the street days. You pay 110 bucks mm. and, and that was it. And so, like, just <laughs> I didn't come in. I just kept going. It was awesome. There was no <laughs> session or anything. Just this went, and then yeah, there was three cars at this day at Oran Park. So yeah. that's what two thousand and eight we're talking then, and and then uh, now you couldn't you couldn't build enough racetracks in Sydney, I reckon, or nah. in, in New South Wales. And and the ridiculous thing is, we're down to one permanent one, really. Because yeah, so. I'm, I'm I'm trying to get Brooke into driving a manual, like learning what we do in a way. But she's like, it's so hard to find a track to, for me to learn on. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and, and the time too and the travel, do you know what I mean? And like you said, also because it's Monopoly down at, um, what do you got, SMP. So then they're like, that'll be $800 for like four laps. And you're like, I need a day and I'm going to need more than four laps to figure yeah. this out because I'm like thinking like I do other sports like jiu-jitsu and that and the amount of time you need and pick it up and that. And everyone's like, if you don't get it in four laps, that's it. It's like, well, hell, we're yeah. in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got to jiu-jitsu. That's interesting. I'm, I'm mad you're oh, a oh, I'm, oh, I'm learning oh, the hard massive. way. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the, oh, God, I find it really, it's just remembering everything compared to like Muay Thai and boxing which are hard, don't get me wrong, mm, but mm. it's just so many parts to that sport and I'm just in that learning phase at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah good on you. So, hey, so you're, are you a mad USC fan? Oh, man, I'm a shocker. I spent too much money <laughs> on pay-per-views this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, one championship? Uh, no, I, I haven't got into one. I've just been sucked into the USC yeah. and just watching um, – Gracie Barra YouTube videos of guys getting put in, you know, Kimoras and all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. Gracie Barra. That's, that's where I'm training. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's good so. fun because if you like that, then one championship just brought the jiu-jitsu on. So they've got – they started in September this year. Yeah. And so now they've got like everything from the – what is it, the MMA – um, Muay Thai and the Jiu Jitsu. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check it out. It's so, good. It's good yeah. fun to watch because yeah, when I watch them at their level, I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did yeah, you do any so. sports at school though? Yeah, right. I, was, I was a sporty kid. So um, this is such a private school thing. I played water polo actually, yeah. um, 
uh, water polo and rugby, and I loved him. Yeah, you know, rugby. There's nothing. I, I shouldn't have been a rugby player, but the mighty. I was always in the E's or the D's, which is the bottom, oh. the bottom rank. And um, I was the same, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on. And uh, and I just loved it. Like you know, in year eight when I first went to Newington, you know, mm. they put me on the wing. Yeah, which is where I belong because you know, <laughs> no one's couldn't there. couldn't catch a ball, couldn't. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> Trying <laughs> so, to run down the field. Yeah, that's right. Well, before that, I'd, I'd played soccer since I was six for yeah. the local Sylvania okay. group. So, um, yeah, start soccer the, and then... Start got, at the soccer thing then. So you did your dad just bring you to soccer like most normal kids and... Well, the, the primary school I went to, a lot of my friends played soccer and then the yeah. soccer oval was literally 100 metres up the road. So mm. we, just, we all played soccer. So um, that was that was the thing and, and we won the... Actually, we won the yeah. Funny story. I retired on a high at that point, so well, it was useless. Like ball sports aren't the thing, and I yeah. can elaborate on that later. Actually, if you like, because there oh. is a reason why. Oh so, no, you can continue on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the so anyway, we 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 played yeah, always in the average teams, and then in the thirteens, the thirteen Ds, we won the grand final, and it was like yeah, you know, it was like the world's best thing to have. And I kicked the winning goal in extra time. <laughs> I remember outside the box, over the keeper's head, straight in. You know, it was a it was a Lionel Messi moment. So. Did you run to the corner post and punch it? Like, oh, oh. I don't know, that was a bit, I don't that. Um, shirt might have come off or something. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and then then the year after that, I went to Newington. You played sport on Saturday, so we couldn't bloody do soccer and do football. soccer. But they, they offered yeah. soccer there. Mm. Uh, but I thought I'd give rugby a go. So. And you come and just bruised and battered and, and horrible. And, and I actually sort of started – like, I like the game, rugby. Like, it's yeah. actually a bloody good game. And then I – um they put me in the in flanker. Yeah. Do you know what I know if flanker is? That's the outside of the scrum. Yeah. And <laughs> he, the main job of the flanker is to clean out the, the ruck. Yeah. When the tackle and then all oh, five blokes pile on it. Yeah. Like, how the hell am I going to clean out a ruck? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it was funny. You'd end up just flying in at, you know, Mac 10 and – yeah. Head first and <laughs> just, Did you just ever collide, knocked? bounce off another bloke, and end up getting a card because your studs are up anyway. So yeah. it was um, <laughs> it was funny. So. Did you ever get knocked out or anything though? Like, did you ever have any bad rugby injuries? Because for me, when I played rugby, I was like you. I was just like wobbly. No one wanted me. There was one time where I was a winger <laughs> like yourself, and then they didn't know what to do with me, so they put me to fullback. And they're like, "Oh, sweet! Like Dan's safe there because he's not going to get hurt." <laughs> this is when I was playing D, D or the E. The problem rugby. is if a front row, if a forward yes. pack breaks through the pack and you're standing here, oh, that's <laughs> how the hell are you going to take? That's what on? I said to him. I'm like, "What fullback? I yeah. thought do you take the brunt when they yeah, come exactly. through." I was like, "What the so, hell?" <laughs> but basically, in this game, they're like, "Sweet, we'll just put him there." It's a trial. It's actually just a trial game for our school. Yeah. So like, no one's meant to get hurt. It's all good. Anyway, what you guys said, a forward ran at me. And I'm like, literally like four foot at this point. Like I'm not big at all. And then the dude just tramples over yeah, me and yeah, just that's, knocks that's me right. flat yeah. out. Yeah, that, like, that's the story of schoolboy rugby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'd have some guy that hit puberty at eight. And then here he's playing for the 14Es. I remember yeah. my dad showing up to awards night and him looking around at me when we were like 16. He goes, half the boys in your grade look like they're 30. Yeah. He goes, they're bigger than me. And he yeah, was like yeah. six foot two. Yeah. <laughs> school Schoolboy sports are a crack up. You, you, uh, know, just like, you get people that just you know grew a lot quicker than others. And yeah. you think they're going to be a wallaby or something next. And then once they turn 18, everyone catches up. It, it yeah. Out, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 Were, were you any like 
you were talking about your mates who turn up to the track now. Did you have, would you, were you a group hopper or were you just one who migrated to one group of blokes and, and girls or whatever? And that was it. And that's, oh, uh, is that man, kind of, is that, that kind of how no, it's not, happened? Not really. The, the beauty about, um, I was just saying, like I, I got lucky at that school, like I had a really good year. Mm. Um, man, there was like a group of 40 of us. Really? Four, like it was just this huge. It sounded like have, a tribe. <laughs> yeah. In a way. But, and then obviously there's sub friends and groups within that. But as a mm. whole, we go to parties or something on the weekend. Like it was, you know, that, it was just a big, good group. Of guys. There's a photo and funny, I'm not in it. <laughs> and like I swear I was friends with these guys, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, what did they do? They, but they, we had this, when you, you know, turn year 11, 12, you know, the, the social structure of school, you know, you end up getting an area to hang out in. Yeah. And then so we got, once the next year 12s left, you know, we got the gun spot next to the cafeteria and next to the, and like between the cafeteria and Oval and, yeah. you know, reasonably close to the classroom. So it had this big seating area. I think, it was, I think we called it the spot or something. <laughs> no, the boneyard. So the it was bo- called the boneyard. Oh, you even had a nickname it the, for it. It was, it was the boneyard the first, yeah, for a bit and then it changed to the spot. So, yeah. but there's a massive group, all the boys in there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was, there was heaps of us and we'd all hang out and we're all friends in, in roundabout ways, but I was always, yeah, sort of, um, I was always friends with most, most people yeah. sort of growing what, up. So. What did you want to do though when you were in school? Did you always want to be like involved in cars or did you actually have like a, what, want to be a copper or a, do you know what I mean? Did you ever have anything yeah, like that? I wanted uh, to be an NRL player to, to give it and I was never going to make it, but that was my dream as a kid. It's always spot as a water boy, mate. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dream big. So. I can still make that spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what? I don't know. Oh, you, you know what? Yeah. No, it sort of got carved for me. Um, not, yeah. They used me as a bit of a guinea pig, right? So I was into cars, mm. you know, year nine, year 10, you know, those cars, but year 11 is go, right, you know, the careers guy comes in and goes, so what do you want to do with your life? So, mate, I'm, I'm 16. I don't really give a shit, mate. Like, I just want to play rugby and go to parties. That's true. That's what we do at 16. Go to parties and, and, and I don't know, yeah. jump on Hotmail and message girls. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. Oh. MSN Messenger. Oh, the MSN days. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I, and, and he goes, so, so I think you should do this. And, um, and I was like, oh, I'd like, like to be a mechanic, you know, being around cars and, yeah, mechanic, and, and they they tried pretty hard to not let me do it because you know you sort of go to when you go to private school it's sort of like you're going to be a lawyer or a doctor mm. or or a, mm. or a real estate agent or or something or yeah, a mechanic or, or, yeah. or a banker or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. the first time I said that, he said, oh, "Okay, like if that's what you." And then, but he was actually a really good guy because I think he probably got shocked because everybody everybody else said they wanted to be a doctor or something. So, um, which is just a huge generalization, but yeah. um, they. He got this idea. There was at the time there was like a school based apprenticeship that you could then do that was becoming a thing. Yeah, right. And it's it's now the rage where you could go to school, and and um, basically do parts of your apprenticeship. Yeah. So basically, you had to do twelve units. I think I'm going. I'm trying to remember this. You had to do twelve units to make up your HSC or something. Six of them could be TAFE and work. The other six are uh, subject. You have to do English. You couldn't get away with that. I was always into maths. I was yep. into engineering. So yeah, right. And I did d- d- design technology. Mm-hmm. So my year 11, 12 was the bloodiest year of ever, anyone 
ever in Australia. <laughs> so I'd go to, I'd have three classes a day. Yeah. I'd go to it. TAFE on Tuesday afternoon and I'd go to work Fridays. Yeah. Right. But on Thursdays, I would only have two subjects because DT wasn't on. So yeah. on Thursdays, it was um, <laughs> Thursday. In year 11, I had it so good that <laughs> I had maths and English in the morning. And yeah. I was done for the weekend. I was done for the week. Yeah. So I go to work. Which I did. I did my school-based apprenticeship at Sydney City Lexus. Yep. And then yeah, worked there, which is basically just wasn't work. I, I loved it that much that you know it was just it was just. Were you just doing parts apprenticeship or that? What were you doing there? Or just sweeping the floors? Mate, I was lucky. I was on the tools. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the they they got us in. Sydney Toyota offered the thing, yeah. the apprenticeship thing, and to you at the school, in yeah, a way. yeah. But they offered to to multiple kids from all people. around, yeah. So there was probably thirty mm. odd people that you know that that did it, and then in yeah. So you had, and then two got selected for Lexus. Mm. So they selected me and and, a, and this other girl called Bella, who was a gun mechanic. Yeah, right. And she was actually like sometimes. Sometimes you think of girls mechanics, you think it just you know, a bush pig or something. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was nice. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, where are we going? Yeah. Yeah. Be, you know. yeah. But she was actually like quite a, like a smart, intelligent, reasonably good looking girl. Like, yeah, was, so, yeah. you know, that was um, a bit of a culture shock for, for everyone there. But um, they, uh, they end up, yeah, so we did it there and like we're actually, we could actually work with those. So they put us on the tools. We were doing the odd oil change here and there and, and they had me doing a few warranty things. And what, so the age of 16 or 17 or something? 17 like. you would have been yeah. by then, yeah. So that was that was pretty cool. And then. Um, Do you still keep in contact with her now? No, no, no. Like, well, just, no. But yeah. like we, we were friends at the time, but mm. it was funny because I'd always laugh at her um, because all the old dudes had tried to hit on her. Yeah. And I felt so sorry for it because it was just, it was all bad, you know. Yeah. Working big organisations, you know, the politics and yeah. and the stuff that goes on, you can hide there or you can stand out, you know, you can do, you know. Yeah. And you get these, you'd always get guys offering to lift home. Like, oh, I can drop you off home. It's all right. Yeah. And, and you know, at first you think it's been, and then and then Bella said to me, it's like, oh, this is just getting weird. I went, I think it is weird, yeah. you know. So it was yeah, because you two were the youngest two in the in the shop, I'm assuming. Yeah, and yeah. And, and then and then we figured out um, the the dudes were trying to hit on us. <laughs> yeah, that happened yeah. in engineering. I know what that's like. I yeah. worked at Alcatel Lucent, and we actually had to have what was it? Oh, at one stage, it was the actually one of the heads of Australasia who was in a position yeah. to come down because we were engineers in a lab, and some guys were coming around. There was two of us that they were trying. It was just becoming like sex pests basically on yeah. the job. And we were like, because you're really young and that, like, you know, like yeah. 1920 and that, everything's a bit like, well, what the fuck back? Especially back then before our Me Too movements, everything. Yeah. The other guys came in like, well, what the hell is going to, you know, you're trying on these two? Because we were there like, we're, we're so feeling uncomfortable <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. It's a different time, like, especially well, being now. A fe- being a female in a male-dominated thing, just it, now I assume it's better, but. Yeah, you know, I, I just remember it. You're like, far oh, out. Like, Especially, yeah. how old were you guys then? Because you were at school. Well, Seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seventeen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Wow. So, the stigma around though, what we've had other people on the podcast is obviously now, you, like you're doing driver coaching and stuff like that with John. You're, you'd surely be seeing a lot more females play around with cars, right? Or is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, the sports become a lot more accessible, but yeah, you know, just, just, you know, yeah, bigger, 
as a whole, I mean, the world yeah. is becoming a bit more uh, realistic and women are, are obviously yeah. I- I- you know, more accessible in previous male-dominated roles. Mm. And motorsport 100% is, is one of those. Mm. And, and I'm a firm believer in, you know, things stem from the top. In Formula One we've seen how many, um, mm. you know, yes. women have and are actually genuinely like, you know, it's, it's not even a male-female thing, you know. Mm. It's, it's, it's the, that, that person is is is, is good. Is, you know, who's the who's the who's the um there's one Red, Red Bull at the the oh, strategist yeah, yeah, yeah. at Red Bull. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like, you know she's the one who's winning Max the title. Literally yeah. she's just carried Red Bull and Max this the yeah. last year. <laughs> well Ferrari's just made an absolute yeah, yeah. Fuck up of it. That's so, about that's about forty dudes who can't get it right. And yeah. then Red Bull's got one woman who can actually make them win all the <laughs> exactly. time. Exactly. So but we're seeing more and more mechanics at at, at grassroots uh well, you know, in, yeah. in Lower, lower levels. You for, for your business though, because you've got your own workshop, have you had hired a few girls and come through? Or is it, how many is in your workshop now? Is it just Mate, you? It's, it's just me. So, yeah, right. So uh, it's, all, it's a small shop. So it's a small intimate shop that I run there. So um, which I've got a handful of clients that, you know, customers that I just look after um, yeah. with all their sort of so race like, motorsport sort so of So it's needs, like a boutique so. automotive shop is yeah, in a way? Yeah, if you call, call it that, yeah. So when I first started, I had the grand plan of, you know, employ people and be, yeah, big yeah. show and appeal to the masses, but once I I realised that the business model to make that work and the t- and the time and effort to make that work, mm. and at the same time, well, two years year and a half later after I started that, the racing thing, the TCR thing came up, and mm. you know I, I'm pretty hell bent on trying to be a, a racing car driver <laughs> while the opportunities present themselves. So yeah. I realised the energies that it takes to to compete at that level, and then also try and grow and run a business was uh, something a bit of out of my capability so um you know i keep it small cost low you know and 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 get the work get through the work even though it's always seems like a mountain of work but um yeah. you know so i um i had an apprentice for a couple of years actually ryan he, he was a good dude so he um but did you know, he help out in aussie driver searching how did i how did i meet you was it through terry or, or mustard craig because you hit me up this is how i was telling brooke you hit me up for a six-hour drive and i'm trying to remember who that person was who hit up you to get me in the car. I reckon it was Craig. It was Craig, yeah. 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 Yeah, I reckon it was Craig because you and Craig were friends. Yeah, we raced karting. Yeah. And that one not. And then I became friends with Craig. He goes, oh, you got to meet Hawley one day. I was like, oh, yeah. And then like, we probably met yeah. before that. And then, yeah, I had a Pulsar that um, wanted to run the six hour then I was going to get a couple of guys to do it with. So, mm. And then, yeah, I thought, thought of you. So. Yeah. I only did it once, and that was it. That was my one and done. That's that's where you were checking it out with the helmet stand. You're yeah. actually, I'm actually. You were saying before, as you were getting on air, that you've basically you've only got one race helmet, don't you? And that's it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm on to a third. You're on to a third. I'm on, to, and it's infuriating. And I should only be on to two, but hmm. the this absolute wanker of a scrutineer down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go on. So the, my first helmet was a motorbike helmet. I had yeah. that for years. Yeah, it fitted me like a glove. Loved it, you know. Did the job. I don't know why we need coloured, you know, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton looking helmets, right? So, yeah, <laughs> um, not one. For and and mind you, I, I had to pay my way for most of my, my, yeah. my motorsport. You know, mum and dad would help out a bit, but you know. And then so, so when I saw a three hundred dollar helmet that was cams yeah. approved, I went, hell yeah! So we're getting <laughs> that. So, and then I, I I had to get a helmet for hand, when hands devices come in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, that carried me all the way till. To, the start of this year, until this scrutiny, and I just put stickers on it. There's yeah. some sponsors that I had just put stickers on. But then this absolute dickhead of a scrutiny um, saw the stickers 
and said, you can't, you know, what, you, you can't have that. You're hiding, you're hiding something. And I went, mate, I've had this for seven years and no, I'm not hiding anything. I can start peeling some off if you want check them because I had some spare stickers. So, And then he, he just went off on this tangent. And one of them, it had a chip on it. Yeah. And but it was it was it was a scratch. It wasn't chip. And he started trying to explain that you know the chip is it, it's affected the integrity of the helmet. And then the sticker, the sticker actually starts to affect the integrity of the helmet. I go, mate, is this bloke actually? <laughs> is this real? Is this actually happening? Like, <laughs> you know, the sticker gets into the gel. And I'm like, mate, yeah. I let it go, and thought, surely this guy's not serious. Yeah. And uh, and he goes, and I didn't do anything about it. Well, he asked me to. Do, he asked me to take the stickers off. I didn't take the stickers off. This happened at Tasmania. Sorry, this happened oh, in Tassie this year. And then we got to Phillip Island. We got to Phillip Island, and he um, uh, he saw I hadn't done anything about it, and he just went, he just went ballistic. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, mate. I'm going to be honest. What you like? I th- thought you having a lend, but this is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know. And then well, it got to the point where before qualifying, we're looking up. Arai documentation for stickers and things like that. And he's saying it's got to be a put on by an approved person. I said, what bloody difference does it make? You know, yeah. every half the supercar guys put their own stickers on, you know? Yeah. He goes, yes, but we know they're compliant because they're in supercars. I said, did you really just say that? Like, yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> did, you, did you me? really just say that? And I just went, I just went mental. So yeah. I lost it. And then GRM got hold of what was going on. I'm having a war. Yeah. In the scrutineering shed. And they're going, where's Jordan? Where's Jordan? <laughs> you can just hear this like God. screaming. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good look to get angry. I was going ballistic. And yeah. then um uh and he just latched it. He was just obviously he's trying to do his job, but yeah, you know, he found something to do his job and he, you know. Yeah. He's well, latched onto they this get, one. They get pretty passionate, those fallen <laughs> like oh, when they do that's it. Right. And they see something that's just you know, big picture stuff. You yeah. know, this is no different to just because it's not painted and looking like Lewis Hamilton's helmet, it's yeah. no bloody different. To, it's, a, it's a sticker on a helmet yeah, in the simplest form, right? Yeah. And um, anyway, Jason Barguana got hold of it, so he came down. He's going, mate, this is actually – then Stiffy came to the, the team manager from GRM. Three of us, he went, is, is this really what you – anyway, the, he let me out and and uh, we, I had to take the stickers off. Yeah. I ran the helmet, no stickers at Phillip Island. And, um, what was the stickers anyway? What was on? Oh, they just sponsors. So, so Shell, New Inch, New Inch Kitchens, Pitch Partners, MTA, like yeah. all got all some minor guys. You know, uh, Beaches Sidu. Um, yep. but he, he helps me out. So, um, yeah. And then look, Alex Davison told me he's got a he's got an abundance of Arai helmets that he no longer uses. So yeah. he, he he sold me one for the next round. We got that painted up. It was my first painted helmet, actually. Um, Who painted it? I don't know. <laughs> I feel as though I should. <laughs> um, it's probably posted all uh, over his social media, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's the dude." No, uh, <laughs> another one of Gav Reynolds from um, Platinum uh, Property. One yeah. of his property. He's got plenty of property um, businesses up based up in Newcastle. He um, so it feels he, like he got it painted by a local guy. That, he does. A, he does quite. A, he does Will Davison's one. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Newcastle Krell's Creations. Is that it? No, it's not no. Krell's. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, and, and I, I, I was probably the worst headache for him. Mm. It's because, mate, I, I was like, I don't, 
I said to us, I don't really want to paint a helmet. I don't see the point. I'm a bit of a simpleton when it comes to this. I just want a white helmet with stickers, but I'm not allowed it apparently. So, <laughs> so I just want to... <laughs> I just love you the simplest thing on the menu and you're not allowed like, it. So you've got a publicity that I just want a palmy and they've got all these fancy fucking yeah. shit on the restaurant. But that's, you're, that's you're, you're, you're a bit of a cultured racer. You know, you've got, you got the good helmets and the oh, suits. Yeah. And, you, know, you, you, look, you look like, I just don't care. Like, I legitimately do not care. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, being at GRM, Barry and Gary, they couldn't give a crap either. They actually probably liked me more for it because <laughs> they're like, mate, just put it on your head, wear it. You, yeah, know, you don't yeah. do anything with it. So You've got Hearn as golding his teammates and they come in, it's all flashy. Yeah, that's, that's right. So <laughs> Gary rolls his eyes a bit at that. But um, So I just wanted something simple and I like blue. So he painted it and I said, like, I've always liked Danny Rick's helmets. Yep. Um, they're not lines and flashy and, and everything. They're like a design. They're an art or they're, they're, they've got something going on. Mm. And I just want something simple. Think of Danny Rick. And he came up with this awesome thing. It was this sort of blue that faded into white and grey and sort of like a two-tone yeah. thing, like a flat matte sort of colour. And yeah. But it was something I could put my sponsor's stickers around. That was what yeah, was most important. Right. So just to base something to work around with a couple of little pinstripes. Yeah. I loved it. It's funny. I, I I wish I'd have done this earlier. <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway, so now 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 I've got because oh, yeah. I was watching it. I was watching you on TV, and I, I saw that that painted helmet. Mm. And I literally because I know you, I was like, what "The fuck, he's got his helmet painted." <laughs> I was like, "You're the most basic bloke." It's funny. Because- I, I I looked at um, I looked at when I was looking at um, some stickers. I was actually looking. At, uh, sorry, helmet designs. I was looking at Jamie Winkups. Yeah, right. enough, because I know he's pretty. He's got quite a few personal sponsors and, mm. and the way he did it. And, and everyone makes bloody helmet v- reveals at the start of the year. And yeah. It's like, I feel as though I should have done an announcement about this, but I'm not. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 so how do, I've got to ask, how did you meet Craig Thornton back then and those guys? Like, did you Impulsars. Impulsars. So, so you're no, racing. No, it's Kyle Austin. Oh, Kyle yeah, 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 yeah. driver set. Did you so, ever work for him as well, Kyle Austin? And his yeah, I, I leased him. I had two Pulsars, so I leased him two cars. Yeah, um, to get the show going I, for that Well, thing. no, what am I talking about? I did the first Aussie driver search with him. Yeah, the Pulsar search. The Pulsar yeah. search. The, the yeah. OG. Yeah, the OG. Where Luke Crumb stole him. his um, – his, his, I think it was his wife's car. Remember? No, Crummy wasn't around then. Oh, wasn't he? Okay. No, no, no. Like, Crummy, it was literally just Kyle and I. Yeah, right. With two pulsars. When I say Kyle and I, it was all yeah. It two was all ca- Kyle. But, yeah. And I'd supplied some cars. I think he had Jeff Fear doing the first as a mechanic mm. on the first. I think he just had one pulsar. Yeah. And it was on the skid pen at Eastern Creek, wasn't it? Was that how it yeah, worked? No, that, that's the second one. Nobody read oh, the first one, man. What's I'm, the first I'm, one? I might this wrong. No, no, go on though. I have to go I have to go back through it, but like so. He did one. The second one had the skid pan, and then the um, yeah, the shootout at Wakefield. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. oh, the shootout at Winton. No, shoot, no, no, Wakefield. Yeah, yeah, it was Wakefield. It was the skid pan Wakefield, and then it went to bigger and bigger, and then it went to yeah. Aussie race. So the cars first and so on. one he had a day somewhere, and then it was at Winton, mm. I think. Yeah, it was. And a- then another day at Winton. But and how many? So it was just two cars. That was it. Your, yours and his no, car. No, no, no. One was his, and one was someone. Else. I didn't have my cars by then. Yeah. One was his, and one was, he hired off someone else. No, that was Crummy's wife's car. No, 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 no. That, no oh, that, no, 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 no. So that's no, not the original story. No, 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 no. Like, that, mate, don't go before that. Like, <laughs> one was his silver car. Yeah. And the second was, it's just this random guy track day 
Pulsar. It had a half cage in it and yeah, right. had a seat that and was, just rocked oh, up and said like you can was, use the car. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty much. And then me being the mechanic, you know, yeah, like it was just. So I turned up. The, the, the car was full of water because it rained and all the door sills were out of it. Yeah. And the people were turning up and I'm going, how am I going to bail? I had to bail. I was going to have to bail the water out. <laughs> I can't bloody do this. And, and Kyle's just like, typical Kyle. Yeah. Just fix it, mate. It'll be right. Everything's all good. Yeah, sweet. So I actually just got to drill and start drilling holes in the <laughs> So So the car just turned into a – so it's so inconspicuously sort of drained out yeah. on the driveway. But then, yeah, the wheel bearings – Oh, it was just a disaster trying to get the car going. And then what then his silver car ended up on its lid. Yeah, right. Oh, on the on the day. On the day. His his car his race car. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, quick backtrack. Mm. Kyle and I met after school, I did um MTA training, the motorsport training tra- um, yeah, yeah, thing yeah. down in Aubrey. Yeah. He and I met through there. Yeah, right. And he bought that pulsar when we were down there. And that yeah. was his first road car. Yeah. And Kyle's just Kyle was like your your stereotypical male, yeah. The, with his like his car, he's got the the pulsar was pulsars was an affordable thing at the time and cruising around and you know doing burnouts and you know yeah, just, yeah. like I wasn't really kind of like that with cars like I wasn't yeah. too 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 out on the road yeah um, Kyle just actually no, I, I probably I'm lying there no, I, I can think of a few moments now but Kyle was just yeah he had a VL Commodore yeah you know, yeah did he the have, they, did, they had the Falcon too at one point the yeah, yellow Falcon yeah the Falcon and then but he but the reason he got the Falcon was because he turned the Pulsar into a race car oh okay that and makes I, sense and I helped him out with a few things and I actually raced it one in the first Pulsar made, made a series in 2013 2014 yeah and um, yeah like I helped him he put it. He got the cage built somewhere, and and mm. and I helped him do some mechanicals on it and whatnot. Yeah. And then he ended up, um, yeah, using that for Aussie, the first Aussie driver search. And yeah. This bike called Ian Keg, um, who still runs random. But he was like, it turned into like a war. You know, guys were just battling to. They wanted to win this because mm. you know what Kyle was onto with that Aussie driver search was brilliant. You know, like yeah, yeah, you know, to the the chance to win a drive for. For, for really what it was going to cost you, for the lesson was going to cost you to buy your own car, you know, for, yeah. to enter. So This is the Pulsar one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Right. But the concept, you know, yeah. what I'm saying through it. So he, um, the first one, he, he had a, he had quite a few people turn up to it and um, we just, it was, yeah, it was quite poorly unorganised, you know, no disrespect, disrespect to Kyle, but it was just rough, you know. I just remember people just getting changed out in the bloody, Righto, guys, here's two cars, here's a racetrack, let's go. It was just so simple. It was like, oh, you know, like. How many races did you have? Or did they just hop in with their with Yeah, their they brought their own stuff. Oh, they brought their yeah, own stuff. It was, just, yeah. it was quite crude. My memory's a little bit vague. I just remember it was crude. The second one he fine-tuned it and he got it going pretty good. Yeah. So he, under, he sort of realised how to make it better. Yeah. So where I give Kyle a bit of credit was he just understood. The concept. Know, the concept, yeah. The first one was just crude, man, like. And then, yeah, funny enough, at the end of the day, his car ended up on its roof. <laughs> his this, car. Guy, this guy just absolutely just forgot that turn one and two was a corner yep. and tried to put four wheels over the inside curb, stuffed it up, whacked the inside fence and it rode, so the outside fence, and it just rode the wall and ended up on his roof. <laughs> and Kyle was almost in tears, mate. Like, I was broken because the day was just so, like, just keeping cars going was just, you already just, burnt just, out was, by that uh, point. Oh, there's a car on his roof. Oh, well, we'll just deal with this. We? So, <laughs> and you could see it coming was the guy was just out of control. Yeah. And that's where Kyle developed the concept for um, 
having instructors in the cars and yeah, because because he literally just said, right, here's here's cars, here's a racetrack. Who's the fastest? Whoever's the fastest can win. Yeah, it was like. And I don't know, it was like Lord of the Flies stuff, mate. Like, you us, just, let's just yeah. go, you go, out, you go, like, just do your worst, you know, go nuts. And this one guy just literally, right, we're going, we're winning the F1 world title here and just drove like, like drove it 15, yeah, you know, 15 out of 10. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> off the Richter scale. And like, you could see it coming all day. Yeah. And eventually he's just around the wall. It's Kyle's road car that we used to. Yeah, it's interesting because I do the V8 race experience thing and I'm coaching people. So I see people come through the doors every day and you're like, you don't know who's going to hop in the car. So that's what would have happened with his first, you know, like season of Aussie driver search. And they would have just sent it because you don't know who's going to hop in those cars. And that's where where the insurance and all that comes through. Yeah, correct. So, yeah. yeah, So where are we going with that? I think we, we, yeah, that's how Kyle played with Pulsars and then we met. Craig. Craig. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so then I helped Craig because I was in the, uh, you know, engineering side of things. I had my engineer's diploma at by that point. I understand setting up cars and, and, and tweaking them, and he wanted me to help him with his. Yeah. So, um, anyway, yeah, so we helped him. And, and he actually, <laughs> funny enough, he, he rolled his Pulsar at Winton <laughs> once too. His first one ended up on his roof and, and um yeah, I, I like Craig. I got time for him. He's—I uh, haven't seen much of him lately, but he's his he's, business is going well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. so his business going—he's he's onto a good thing there. And but he's—he's he's so enthusiastic about his motorsport, mm. you know. And and he's unfortunately he's had a few few accidents, and mm. he's been on the wrong end. Like he, he got banned from karting, and you know he had yeah. issues with pulsars, and and I think with eighty sixes even he's probably rustled a few feathers. But at, at heart, the guy is actually. Yeah, like he just loves his motorsport. Like he yeah. just wants to do do well, and he wants to get good people around him to help him. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, I've, I've been able to help him the last couple of years, but he's he's got Gretchy Aaron Gretsch looking yeah. after him and now. Luke like, Kings as well, training yeah. him as well. Yeah, like he's, he's he's like he knows what he wants to do, right? And he goes he, through the week. He goes hard. He he works hard. He's got his business going well, and he and so I got a lot, a lot of respect for him for what he's because he generally wants to do well, and he's. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying, which is good. But so. that's that's where you two connect because you're doing the TCR and you're having your workshop, and he's got his business funding his racing. Yeah, do you exactly. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Does, so. does, but when you were helping him, did you give him advice, or were you just more of a mechanic when you were helping? Yeah, him out? yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So it was funny, great. It was a little bit stubborn with with some driving things. Mm. Um, his technique's actually very good. Like his hand. Craig, Craig, when it, when everything's right, he's actually fast. Like, yeah, and that's the thing, and, and he probably knows it. Like when. When he gets it together, he's fast. He's te- he's he- the way his hand te- typical go karter. The way his hands are smooth. Mm. The way he applies steering and whatnot, and like it's good. Mm. But he, he his car control's lacking. Like he just doesn't quite. When a car's in a slide, and he just doesn't quite. Yeah. Have that. If anyone knows Craig, it's a bit hard. To t- it's a bit hard to tell Craig sometimes. <laughs> it's it's all right. You and I can cop the blame on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's probably I'm, listening. So. I'm like, I'm sitting here quietly. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you've got to know when to pick Craig because you know. Yeah. We all know he's got a short fuse. So yeah, or, or we used to anyway. So and he, um, when he's going off, it's hard to tell him that Craig, you're not you're not driving good enough. Yeah, and he doesn't like hearing that. No. So, yeah. but but when you've got him. When he's normal and you know, calm down. Yeah, and he's he's, he's very he was very open because as I said, like he actually genuinely cared, like he wanted to do well. So, yeah. and and that sort of it was good. Yeah, like um, he he cared. Put it that way. Mm. So. 
Yeah. And you what and you now just basically just are friends and does he come to your does he come to the TCR races when you're racing or do you just go to his Man, events? I, I haven't seen him for I said I said well, he's busy with eighty sixes. So we run into each other at the track a fair bit, yeah, when yeah. the eighty sixes are there. So well, what did you think of the oh, we were talking about the Aussie drive search thing though? That was a good concept. I think for me, what I've said on another podcast is I think Kyle should have stopped at eighty sixes because that could have kept the show going. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There was a point yeah, where I, I, I take my hat off to Kyle with his ambition and his vision with it. Mm. Like, the idea he had it, like, mm. it was it was there, but the 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 execution behind the scenes, um, as we know, all sort of didn't didn't work out, did it? So no. end up spending, I think, in its simplest form, more money than what was coming in. So you know, the year before it failed, I think that's when it was it was on. Like he had yeah. it, he had it. Sorted, but once the GT car came along and, and all that, I think it just got that the risk factor too high, and obviously just didn't didn't mm. work out. So, uh, and you could you could just see like you know the, the world is very much um, you know it moves fast. The world basically well it does, but every, every everybody loves a lottery. Yeah, everybody wants to feel the chance. Oh, you know, for five grand, I could I could race a a supercar, or supercar. Yeah, You're bloody kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, and, he, and, he, five and and this is what a lot of people don't think quite understand is he bridged a gap for a lot of people in motorsport. You know, to, to drive a V8 super to, to walk into wall racing or to MPC or to or to whoever yeah. to um you know to drive a, a Porsche. Yeah. Mate, like you spend half your yearly wage on a week on a day driving, you know. Yeah. So not quite, but you know, so it's not accessible and it's not something that Average guys do, but all of a sudden, grassroots racers or guys that haven't driven race cars before um, could drive a GT car in a reasonably safe, organised way. You know, he had the instructors, he had the limiters in the cars, he had things to make it mm. work, and there was a huge gap there, and he filled it. And that's that's why, I, like, I, I liked about it. It's like you actually did it. Yeah. Did, this is bloody brilliant because he he understood that. Yeah, and not many people do. Then motorsport's got a real big disconnect from the top to the bottom mm. as a whole. That's something separate. But when yeah. it comes to that grassroots level, you know, and then he gave guys the opportunity that to to be potential race drivers. Mm. Problem problem is it's just a very risky business model. And, yeah, and if it, you're right, if it was just the the eighty sixes or or something, but high high cost super two cars and. Um, in uh, GT cars, obviously, just didn't didn't work. So, um, yeah, it was just disappointing to see. So, um, I wasn't involved with Kyle with with Aussie Drive Search the last couple of years. Um, mm. You just helped the Pulsar thing. Didn't yeah, you? I, I helped yeah. the first, as I said, the OG, and then yeah. <laughs> and then the one or two after another one after that. So, yeah, yeah. with you. But were you at the time? Is that when you were getting into state racing yourself? Was it 2015, 16, or was it before? Like, so I said, well, no, look, I got into state racing back in 2011. That was my first race when I was 18. Yep. But I was running improved production in 2015, 16, on and off with Dad. So yeah. We had two Hondas at that point. So Did you do production cars, though, with a Mitsubishi Lancer or anything? Or not really? Or was that just – Yeah, Bob Pearson, 2012. Okay. So my fourth ever race meeting, um, uh, Bob Pearson gave me a shot at run, driving one of his Evos. Yeah, so right. So that was cool. So yeah. Eastern Creek, you know, Bob Bob's um, 
He's a legend in the sport, though, isn't he? Oh, he, yeah. He used, to, he used to turn up to the track, do his thing, always in the corner doing his own thing. Bob, Bob's a man, you know, more money than God. And and, <laughs> and did no no wife, no kids. No, he's got a daughter that he, he – I won't yeah. say what he said about it, but he, um, <laughs> he you know, he, he just literally work, makes money, goes, goes car racing. Yeah. Just loves car racing. And anybody that knew Bob from the – let's go back 70s, 80s, you know, he had um, – Touring cars, Group A cars. He had a lot of Perkins cars in the nineties. Yeah, you know, once he got older, he's he's got into production cars, and he's had everything. He's got mm. that many cars. Then he also has a very very cool road car collection. Does he? Yeah, like he, he he's the guy that's you know, if the latest and greatest rare top line Ferrari comes out, yeah, you know, Ferrari doesn't advertise it; they call you to buy it. You know, and that's Bob. You know, so <laughs> yeah, like and, and Bob comes along, he just gets whatever he. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He he lives at Lugano. I've been to his place a, a few times, and so I oh, check this out, Jordan. And he's got the latest and greatest Ferrari for whatever it is that there's only four in the country, and you know, yeah, I got the carbon fiber roof, and I got the I got the carbon brakes, and I got this, and I got that, and it's just, just ticked every box. He always gets the best of everything. Does he get you to work on any of his cars though? Because if you no, I never do. He's always got mechanics. Yeah, okay. There, so, um, how's he doing anyway? Because I haven't really seen him at the, the oh, track. I haven't, I haven't heard from him for probably eighteen months. But he, I, I, I actually heard he had a had a health issue. Yeah, okay. And I don't, he, I don't think he can drive anymore. Yeah, right. I, I don't. He hasn't raced for a couple of yeah. years. Yeah, because he used to just turn up all the time. Yeah, just I, know, a regular... I, actually don't, I actually don't think he can race. Yeah. I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So go back so, to, go yeah. back to your state racing days. Did you like, were you, we've had other guys on the podcast come on and like even myself, I struggled in go-karts. I was a lap behind basically in go-karts and then let my way through. Were you slow at the start or were you just aggressively competitive at the start and you just connected with the top five? Do you know what I mean? And had a crack? Uh, so. Uh, Did you send I, it from I was the good beginning? with what I had. Yeah. Okay. So I was a very aggressive, very, you know, I'm, I'm an incredibly competitive person when it comes to sports. Yeah. So, you know, like we were talking about the old 14 e rugby days. Yeah. Yeah, in the 14 E's, I can't catch a ball, I can't pass a ball, I can't do anything, but I was super competitive. I mean, I just wanted to just, yeah. just win or do whatever. Like that's that, that's just hardcore in my DNA. Unfortunately, anything I do is just, you know, not over the top competitive, but it's like, you know, let's have a cracky. You know, we've got a swimming race, so like let's, let's, let's have a go, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so how aggressive were you in the water polo? Oh, man, there was plenty of bruises and I was going to say, they're torn, aggressive um, there. Yeah, water polo is brutal, man. Yeah, yeah. we were swimmers polo. and we used to watch them next to us and yeah, go, hell the, no. The chicks are actually more brutal oh, than the blokes. Double, like my friends are having to wear double swimmers because they tear yes, them off the layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, it's, it's all about kicking a bloke in the balls when yep. you guys turn away and swim. And Wait, did they, do, did they do both balls and we had, fight, we had fights in the water. Really? Yeah, yeah we had, fight, had punch-ons in the water. Wait, so because did, it's just so brutal. Like you were elbowing guys, you're trying to drown a guy. You was just trying to drown a guy. Yeah. You know, you've just you, it's so aerobically taxing. It's mm. full on. Like one of the girls I trained with, she was in national level for Australia. She ended up six months in bed on her back because someone grabbed her back and like broke her spine. Yeah. That's how yeah, heavy yeah. it gets in there. So, it's, full so on. it's like rugby in the water. Basically. Oh god, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's full yeah. on. I didn't I didn't know you did. I didn't do it. The ones next oh, to us did. Well, because okay. we trained like at the level, and then they were next to us. The national water polo, and I used to just hear that. Like we could see them underwater when you're swimming, yeah, but you'd yeah. also hear the stories and see them all in and out. And I just used to be going, "Nah, it's not for me." Because <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, Brooke was nearly an Olympic swimmer. 
No, no, oh. no. I was I was trying to go for that level, but at the time I didn't know I was sick and that, and oh, I ended really? up getting kicked out of the sport because of illness and that. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was, was funny. Lo- I, I, was, I was a swimmer yeah. too, so that's another sport. I was yeah. a swimmer, so all growing up I was, you know. Yeah. Apparently, I've still got the 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 year uh, the ten year old. Uh, Year four or whatever it is, breaststroke record at my public school. Still, yeah. Yeah, breaststroke was my thing. Yeah. So I was always half right of that. But it was yeah. funny at school. There was three three of us that were swimmers. Yeah, I was always the third. The first one trained eight times a week. He was just a freak. Yeah. Second one was five times a week, and I was three or five, and and I'd always just come third to them. Yeah. But when they're having an off day or we got to the breaststroke, it was on. Yeah. Yeah. Who did you swim for? Uh, I was. It was just at school. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I did some club stuff like. Yeah, when I was 12, 13, 14. Yep, yep. But I think my parents got over. Getting up around. at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> yeah. I did some stuff at Sutherland. Yeah, Sutherland, yeah. yeah. And then, but then, yeah, just with school, yep. you know, I got, I think I went to state a couple of times yeah. with, with that. But yeah. I, I was always a sprint sprinter too. Uh, I, no, I was unfortunately, no I was the endurance. I wished I was a sprinter. So it's a funny story. <laughs> I got called up for the 100-metre state breaststroke yeah. to represent um, the school, because Harrison, the, the good guy, he <laughs> he couldn't do it. Yeah, it's Jordan, you're up. It's right, it's time to shine. We're on here. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Watch for you. And um, so we're at Homebush, hundred meters. I only done the fifty before. Thought right, a hundred. So I've come out of the blocks firing first to turn at the fifty. Yeah, yep, sweet. Then you know about third of the way back. Just the cramps kicked in. I'd peaked way too early. Just every the body shut down. It was just, you know, everything. Uh, yeah. like, Brooke's you know. actually been saying that to me because she struggled. She she was telling me that with her illness. It I don't I don't understand. So when you're doing the long distance races, does your body decide? Does your it depends what is where you will be careful what you eat. So yeah, why is yeah. your cramps so under the arch? Your lactic yeah. acid and, and all that, it, it builds up quick. And too so. much salt. That's what I was, we got caught out when we were younger with Powerades. You just sit there and down the Powerades, got too much salt and you get cramps in your arch of your feet and then you couldn't kick. Yeah, So you right. had to learn to dilute it like coital so you didn't actually wipe yourself yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. But George, can you can you use did like any of the mental capacity that you're using in swimming, could you use in car racing is what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? Like so when uh, Brooke looks at us racing, she's like, I don't know how you just drive into that corner right <laughs> but in swimming do you go like does your brain go i have to get to the end of the do you know what i mean mm. is there any of that pushing or is it just oh, different to be honest i can't really remember i like, that was that was probably because i didn't think mm. that's probably why i did the sprint because you just go all out yeah. right you're done you've you've emptied the gas tank and mind you in that race you know where, where, where i tanked i finished last first <laughs> turn finished last in front of everybody <laughs> i thought you dickhead <laughs> so i just sort of stopped i just stopped accelerating everyone <laughs> reckons it's the funniest thing they've ever seen <laughs> so I, and probably because i just i don't know peaked, i'll probably do this in car racing a bit just peaked too early just come out of the blocks guns guns blazing going oh hang on a minute we should have maybe just stopped and reassessed the situation here so, yeah um yeah, yeah, kind of. I suppose maybe an endurance race. Yeah. Because with endurance, yeah, it's rhythm. Yeah. Swimming, I feel as though – so I used to do some I – like I did nippers in that and mm. surf life saving. So you do the odd 1K or 2K swim. Yeah. And it's just rhythm. You just had yeah. to be, you know, loose thoughts, you know, not overthinking it, but you just – you're in the – Yeah. Make sure your strokes, your kicks all in time and everything's, you know, working. So – uh, with endurance racing, which um, like Bath is six hour we're talking about now on the road, or 
on just the yeah, 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 in a way. Like you literally you just gotta dot your I's across your T's. Just yeah. you don't have to drive at ten tenths the whole time. Mm. You've just gotta hit that apex, look after the tires, um, you know, not not stuff up and, and go from there. So yeah, if you if you overthink it, you'll 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 go bad things will happen. How many yeah. how many six hours have you done now? Well you haven't been done. I did two. Yeah, two in okay. the Evo. So well one year the year before I did the Evos, um I leased the leased the pulsar out to a couple of bikes. Yeah. Um but yeah, I've just done the mm. done the two. So failed to make the check flag both times. We've yeah. been driving. Talk um, about talk about Terry Nightingale who got you famous. He was actually a bad peddler himself though. Terry wasn't he? was good. I know, see Terry was good. I, I want to get him on this the podcast. Is, I, I oh man, I, I, I like Terry. I I <laughs> He, he was a bloody good racer. Yeah. And I, and I feel for him because he, he's, it's funny, I feel as though he's sort of, gone he's the kind the, of, he hasn't gone off the rails, but he's the kind of guy that he just never had the quite the right direction in life. He's an awesome commentator. Yep. He's a bloody good driver. He's like his dad. Mm. His dad went Brian Nightingale in the RX-7s at in Bathurst. Um, Bathurst in the 80s. Yeah. You know, he can actually bloody steer. So Terry, um, one one year, uh, Kyle was they had my pulse out Aussie driver search. They finished early, and so I let the boys go drive. Just do it. we did a shootout. So Jay Robson was there, Terry Nightingale was there, was Ryle Harris there? Well, maybe Ryle yeah. was Ryle there. Um, it's a few guys. They're all just thrashing my pulse around at the end of the day. Yeah. I didn't really think about it actually because because <laughs> <laughs> so I said yeah, boys, let's see how we go. So that, they've all <laughs> they've all gone and you know thrash. Terry was the fastest out of out of all. Terry of them. beat him. Really, even Jay Jay Robson's also disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's another story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Terry, Terry Terry was the fastest. Yeah, and like he ran HQ. Terry ran HQs a bit back in the day, and he did various stuff. But he always just hustled to get his drives. Yeah, did something with Dylan. Utes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Utes, like yeah. Um, Dylan Thomas. But the, the more I think, the more he, and this is what I'm saying about his like Terry, sort of just probably that guy that needed a bit of direction, and push in the right direction in life is that, you know, he would he would go and lead the six hour. He was leading the six hour in Dylan's car and doing yeah. very well. And then he would um, uh, something else he'd do. He'd, he'd do quite, yeah. the Utes. He'd have a crack at the Utes. And it, all, all, these, all those times turned into what could have been times. Mm. Something went wrong. The car broke. He got caught up in an accident. Mm. You know, something happened. And oh no, the, oh, I was doing so well. Could any? I feel as though once that happened, he was kind of like, oh, what could have been? The world's against me. It's all bad. But that's motorsport. The, the harsh reality is, so many things go wrong out of your control. And motorsport is just a, such a high mm. and low roll. And he got. I feel as though he got caught up in that when he was just trying to make yeah. something happen. And um, now we don't see him race anymore, which is which is sad because you know when you look at Terry, you think, Christ, mate, he struggled to fit in the seat. But yeah. mate, he's he's brilliant. Yeah, and he, and he, you know, well, he was really- he was he was getting fit for those races back then. Like he was committed, as you said. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and the thing was, it was awesome to have him around back in the day because he would not only commentate, but he would race and he would make it. As you said, he he would he shine good, in both. He was a good commentator, mate. A funniest thing. Listen to him and him and Gary O'Brien sometimes. Gary Gary's a good commentator, but sometimes he gets his stats wrong. With Terry, Terry was always he had he had a very good voice. He could read a race what was going on, and he and he knew sort of the stats that was that was sort of happening. And yeah, I don't think that's quite. Gary would say something. Yeah, I don't think that's quite right, Gary. But anyway, yeah, Cox is doing well. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he was good. So um, he, yeah, Terry always did the the Wakefield Park stuff. And yeah. um, 
I think he got a bit drunk one night actually and then might have offended somebody the next day. So I think, <laughs> I think Lockie Mansell was telling me it didn't work out. But then Terry said he hates Lockie Mansell as well. So <laughs> I think you? I think there's something I think there's something something happened. Yeah. And we unfortunately we don't see Terry commentating much at all anymore. What, what did you think of Lockie Mansell when over lockdown he ended up on TV? I was like shocked. I was yeah, like I was yeah. like I was like, wait a second. I was like little Lockie. On TV, all credit to him. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, myself, I mean, as much as this podcast has taken off, I myself and probably Brooke's not interested in reality TV, but he took that step to get out of his comfort zone, which is all credit to him. Do you know what I mean? Like to build his profile for racing and – Yeah. It, he's bringing man, people man, to the sport. It's, it's, he, he, he's just put himself in a good position. He's a the, – the thing with Lockie, he's a, he's, a, he's a nice guy. Like he, he always has been. He's a, he's a bit weird and quirky. In, in a, he's got some quirks. Sorry, not weird, but he's – He's a quirky dude, but he's he knows everything about motorsport. His delivery is awesome, and he um uh like he's, he's a likable dude. And, and he studies his race drivers. He probably knows what undies we're wearing. Yeah, so poor Lockie. Yeah, when we were at the tracks, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, he was in my brother's grade at school. So he was two years younger than me. Yeah. And when I was there with Dan two years ago, I don't watch reality TV really, so I didn't know. And I saw him at the track, and I was Dan was talking to him. I'm like, shit, I know you. Yeah. And I was, but it's been years, right? Because we're in our thirties now. And yeah. then I was like. Oh, what the fuck? Where do I know him from? I walked away and I come back up to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry, Lockie. North Home. We went to school together. And he's like, oh, I thought you were going to say the show. So I was like, nah. I said, it's you in my brother's grade. Yeah. He's like, oh, I remember your brother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I remember Lockie from when I first started racing. Like 2011, even before that, he was just he was just a little kid yeah. commentating. He was just always commentating. He was awesome. Even at school he was doing it because when I told my brother, he's like, oh, he's actually – he got into it and he's doing it. And he was like, that's awesome that he's doing it because he goes – he was always in uh, uh, like trying to chase that dream at school from yeah. a, as a little kid. I, I think there's there's about half a dozen commentators in the country that, that are just genuine commentators. You know, you're Neil Crompton's, you're Krause, you're Nolte, um – who else we got in there? Um, I like Zach Cabin. That's that's my preferred. He, he, yeah. he was my cutting contact. Lockie to me fits in there. Yeah, and I, I, I seriously think he deserves a spot on yeah. the big table if, if if that's what he wanted to do. Yeah, I think he he could hold his own doing a twelve hour. Yeah, because he just reads it. He just understands what's going on. But so. you being on Stan Sport and racing from a racer's point of view, does that help with any of the coverage? If you suggested commentators, or is it? Not really a thing because he is with nine technically because of the, the Mar- not married at first sight, Beauty, Beauty and the Geek. I wasn't sure if it was you know seven I mean? because wasn't uh, – I don't know. Well, he was Supercars, which is seven. Oh, but I don't know when, how they when, do. when you get to that level, mate, yeah. you, you don't have pull with or say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> do, you know, do you know Brooke also – You're part of a system. It's know, magical <laughs> gods that run it. Do you know Brooke also went to school with Molly Taylor? Oh, no yeah, way. she was in my brother's grade too. So my brother, like, there was the two years younger. They were like the motorsport grade as he found out as Sydney, he left school. Sydney, Sydney most? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was at North Home Grammar, which is out at if anyone knows the Hills District. There's like Galston and Arcadia. We were out in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. Um, and I think I can't remember this, but Mum's like, "Yeah, you paid for a session for him when he was 18 to learn with Molly Rally." And I'm like, "I did." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought Molly was. Full on country pumpkin out in the six girl. No, like, they're out like, in. They're in. Um, I think well, my brother's at Beaumont Hills now. They're not far from there. It's oh, out that right. way. Yeah. Okay. I thought. Yeah. I thought she lived out Camberwell Way, but she did live. That's what, that's yeah, what I thought. The Hills District. I don't know where they are yeah, right now. I thought she yeah. just was born on a dirt track. 
You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> she's you know? such an awesome race. I, see, the thing for me is it's kind of like Leanne Ferrier or Tanda, as she's known. She was a great racer back in the day, and I rate her highly because I've raced her in Formula Ford and stuff. But I see Molly at that level too because when she raced TCR with you at the beginning, she was in a Subaru. Yeah, but that's which Subaru. Is a nugget, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> couldn't show her you talent. You even offer the production car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but but was Mo- all- Molly, was, Molly was good. Yeah. yeah. So um, unfortunately, Australia probably only has ever had two or three generally good female drivers. Mm. Um, yeah, Molly's one of them. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you? You didn't really get to. Or do you have you only done any driver training days with her or anything like that, or not really? No. 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 Just speak to her behind the mic normally. So, yeah. so. <laughs> she switched it around. Yeah. 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 I'm going to so. ask you a random question, question George. Mm. What's an insult you've received that you that you're proud of? Because we've been talking a lot of shit at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> have, you had, have you ever had an insult and you're like, you know what, fuck, I'll take that. That's pretty decent. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I probably had some. I don't know. I forget that shit quickly. I probably um, probably had one at the time going, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. Something Probably something driving related. Yeah. You drive too hard. Yeah. Probably drive too hard or something. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about um when you moved? Obviously, when when we were starting your your Facebook page and stuff like, oh, okay. When we started your um Facebook page and you had the Honda Civic, and you went to wall racing, was that always going to be the thing though? Like that was was that or was or when TCR? How did that all happen? Like you were surprised already coming to TCR, but how did you think it was going to go? Do you know what I mean? Like wall racing? Yeah. Off so so I, I I learned pretty pretty early that that just getting hits with a Honda Civic around, an old 1992 Honda Civic around Bathurst in 2017, um, really didn't fly at all with Honda. So, mm. you know, that's, that, you know, that's cool, but you're not, you're not really, you're not truly representing the brand and mm. you're not a marketing, you know, they, they probably could have done something with that in particular, but as, as a whole, you know, Jordan Cox and, yeah. and just Honda, it just wasn't something that f- flew. So, and Honda isn't big on motorsport in At Australia. All. Really? No, like they're, they're in terms of sponsorships. So did they give a shit that Tony D'Alberto won or they just don't care? Uh, I think they do, but Tony's got a bit of a niche, I think, with um, mm. who he's got from Honda supporting yeah, him. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think, look, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely they would have, yeah. Yeah, but, like, like, you know, you don't see much stuff. Well, Compare, um, compare. What's his name? Um, uh, like Toyota. Yeah. With with Bates, you, it's just synonymous. You know, motorsport Bates. They 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 roll with it and they make it work. But Honda just has doesn't do that at all in Australian motorsport. So yeah. no, like the, I learned that that wasn't really gonna yeah. be a thing. So for you and TCR though, after your first year, how did you collect the sponsors like Pinch Partner? Because you kind of just went from like the state racer and got in there via viral internet, as you're known as the internet sensation, mm. if you look it up, <laughs> <laughs> um, to getting like sponsors. So did, did the sponsors come through the viral video? It, or was, did all, they- it was all just a hype train, mate. Like, yeah. and I've spoken to a few people about this. Like, um, It was like the storm had been brewing for a few years. Like I'd known those guys for a couple of years before and – you know, then that year in particular, you know, the driving in 2017, it's like, you know, you're driving, you know, you're trying to go somewhere and mm. it's a bit of a hype train and people wanted to be, be a part of it. And I yeah. was like, cool. Yeah. You know? So, and and it was, and there were some people that 
we were happy to support financially too, which was yeah, which is awesome because we, you know we just don't have the 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 finances any other way to to do it. You know yeah. that's obviously one limiting factor, or one of normally one of the biggest limiting factors to getting in, you know, progressing in motorsport. So, and, and but the other factor is I, I had no idea how that. No idea how to go to get to that, you know, the pathway because I'd never been down it. I, as I said, I'd never done go karts, never done Formula Ford. You're never around team managers or team owners or 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 people of influence that will drag you through the ranks mm. and progressively get you there. Yeah. No, I, I just had no idea, you know, that that path. And then the TCR thing came in 2000. It got announced in eight, 2018. It'll be coming in 2019. And it was sort of like the Jordan Cox front wheel drive guy, yeah. Sell, you know, yeah. TCR's coming. He's a front wheel drive guy. We know this guy in the series. And I spoke to ARG a bit, and once we sort of understood budgets of what required to do it, we just went, I guess we won't be doing that. So, um, uh, but then you know had. A few, you know the a few guys around me, Charlie Viola from Pitcher Partners. Yeah. He, he, you know. I owe him so much, you know, like he, he put, you know, he said, Mate, like, let's do something, what can we do? And and um, once I started to, I got in, uh, Dave Wall got in contact with me, he sort of said that, yeah, you know, we, there's a drive available, you need to bring some money. And basically I said to Charlie, I got something, he's like, Mate, yeah, happy to be on board, we'll support you. And then um, obviously that wasn't enough to cover the full budget, so then there was, Need to get some more. So another guy tipped in more, then another guy, then another guy, some other friends. It was sort of like this storm in a team cup, teacup that we put yeah, right. put everything together and put it on the table. And so, so they it, was, it was actually like putting out a hat almost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. Sorry. And then um away we went. And mm. then um because the the biggest the the biggest thing that people were more interested in seeing was how does Jordan go on a national level? Yeah, okay. Because it's all good and well winning improved production races and doing slow at six hours, and but that's just nothing compared to the the you know the, the higher level of motorsport. You know, the, you've to me your three competitive classes are you know supercars, super two, Porsche, TCR. That's yeah. where it's sort of really at with top drivers, top teams. You know, yeah. do you rate Trans Am? Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't have the depth. Yeah, okay. Of, of those categories, so all yeah. those categories have twenty, at least twenty, fifteen guys that are just there to to just race and prove a point and be the next champion. Yep. You've only got five or six of those blokes in Trans Am. Yeah. Maybe a bit more now, but half of it's a gentleman's category, half of it's races, which which I like. Yeah. Which yeah. which I which I actually think should bloody be what we're doing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, instead of having twenty TCR cars, we get a forty. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, so there's so there's like a rec system in the TCR. Team? No, there's no. not. But okay. the, the, it's just the way the series is, is has, has evolved. Yeah. This is only gun drivers want to do it. You know, yeah. all your pro ams are turned off because there's nothing for them to race. Yeah, which is a separate topic again. So that's yeah. why they race Trans Am because you get a trophy for going fifteenth. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. You yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. Masters Club, sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone wants a feel good story. So, um, yeah, basically. And then yeah, did the first round and and quali- it was fastest in the wet and uh, was leading the first race until um, I came together with Moff on the first. Was lap. this the Honda or is the Honda your first drive? Honda, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was quick. Look, I was quick straight out of the box. So fortunately, I got to prove on my first outing that 
I actually can drive. I'm yeah. fast enough. I can actually hold my own with these guys. Uh, but it was funny. I came away from that thinking I finished third or fourth in the races and I was like I, I felt as though I was missing like an edge. Yeah. And I, I obviously never told anyone at the time. And um, Anyway, look, the next thing, GRM uh, was trying to talk about getting the next round with walls and we didn't have enough finances to do it. And then Gary called me up. Um, he got wind that I was, you know, interested in driving further in the category. But then after I got talking, you know, there wasn't really an opportunity there. And then Jimmy Vernon was out because I think they ran out of money. And yeah. then um, basically just put to, Gary put a deal on the table, said, mate, you can do that. And, and it worked with all the sponsors. There was enough finances. And, and I said, yep, sweet, we'll do it. Yeah. Something that wall racing couldn't offer. So um, next thing you know, here we are racing TCR. And, yeah. and Gary um, – Huge respect for the Rogers guys. They they um, there's no free rides at GRM, but there's um, they give opportunities where there aren't other opportunities elsewhere. So, what do you think of the GRM combine that they're doing? That's pretty cool. Everybody. Yeah, like, I think it's, cool. it's it's for mechanics and drivers now, isn't it? Is that how it works? Yeah, or engineers and yeah, yeah. Um, it, the mechanic co- thing, I'm not quite all over yet. Like I, I I'm not really actively involved in it. Um, obviously trying to introduce people to motorsport and see what it's all about. I think it's a great idea. Um, so not quite sure how that works, but the driver thing, it's, it's not a shootout. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a fastest guy wins. It's a genuine go race some cars for a few days in Tasmania. You got nothing to worry. You got no distractions. You got fast cars. You got serious cars. You've got a, a race team environment with engineers and, and then you've got Marcus Ambrose, your driver guy. NASCAR champion. NASCAR, yeah. two-time supercar champion. Yeah. In your ear, and mate, the wealth of knowledge that guy has is just mind-blowing. Every time I speak to him, I just go, oh, my God. You know, so <laughs> – and still a lot of his driving stuff is is, is relevant today. So, um, you know, to, to go and do that, um, and I think it's a reasonable budget to do it, awesome. Yeah. You, you had a go on the S5000, didn't you? Didn't you test nah, it? No, I still haven't driven an open wheeler. Oh, I thought you did. I drove, I drove Aaron Cameron's car to the – Grid once. Oh, I thought you that had a test. It. I thought you had an S five thousand test. No, no. Like we were speaking to Barry about, about jumping in one, but we've never really, um, we've never really got to it. Got to it. Mate. Yeah, yeah. So, but has yeah. he offered you that? Obviously, the S five thousand thing. Has he offered you the like the Trans Am as well to have a go in or not really? No, Trans Am. Look, there's so many drivers and cars happening in GRM that you know, sort of got to focus on what mm. you know. Doing do you, so. Do you know why though he decided to leave supercars for just ARG thing or not really? Do you, do you have an fair idea? Did he think? That- yeah, like I've spoken to the boys about it, um, mm. and it's. I th- I think in its simplest form, it, it came down to the budget and the resources to run it, and not so much their lack of resources. It was that they couldn't utilize their resources. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you go if you go down to Kitchen Road and Dandenong to the JRM outfit, it's huge, you know. And I think there's probably some teams bigger, but it blew my mind when the first time I went there. I went, oh my god! Like there's a serious outlay of of land of property to for them to put up to start with to start a race team, right? Anyone yeah. that owns a race team, big factories, you you need a bit of capital to start with to put that up, right? Yeah. So, you need a billion dollars so stand up with them. So that's one thing. Then you got to go employ all those people. Then you got to get all the infrastructure. And you got to get the truck. You put it all up. It's 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 a it's a big, you know, it's a big show. And you know they they couldn't. You they found that 
with their fiberglass department and their engineering department, they were having to buy their pedal boxes from Triple Eight, and then they had to buy their brakes from this guy. They couldn't do that, and then Gary's spending triple the money, double the money than he was five, mm. ten years before that. Yeah, and he's not, you know, it was basically it was had to buy everything elsewhere, and then it's still costing him more money anyway. Yeah, and he wasn't a fan of that. And I think in the simplest form, it was just getting out of control, the cost. Um, I think the Volvo days, it worked very well. They had a very good team there. But once the whole that, that left and the layout of the land of everything, yeah. there's many more issues behind the so scenes. So the Volvo but, thing, he could build in-house. Is that what, is that what happened, yeah. basically? They, they, they built that car in-house. Yeah. You know, who's the who's the that, that crush, sh- who's the chief? Um, Richard Richard Holway. Yeah, Richard Holway, yeah. You know, the, 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 whole, you know how the engines that are weighted, they've got – center of gravity tests and they've got engines that weigh certain – it all came from the Volvo. Yeah. So the, the Volvo was just basically outsmarted the all the other cars. Yeah. So when it turned up at Adelaide and here's Scotty Mack, you know, giving it to him. Yeah. Mate, like it was just out of this world. Power-wise it was a good engine, you know, that was developed uh, by Polestar. Mm. Um, but the, the, the car itself just absolutely demoralized the Holden and the Ford. Yeah. They put the weight down low, they got the aero right, they got everything right, and they beat Triple Eight and yeah. FPR, FPR at the time, at yeah. the time to yeah. their own game. They were doing the homologation. Yeah. And Triple Eight were up to some tricks with the Holden. Like they're all up to tricks when they homologate them. Don't get me wrong. There's yeah, there's, there's tightened wheel bearings and and there's also dragging brakes. There's all sorts of start tricks going on. Yeah. And 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 they, they just genuinely out outdid the mm. when they designed the Volvo. They just outdid them. Yeah. And so all that, the parody thing came up and then, you know, that, that all that all happened. And, um, Do you reckon he just lost interest after the Volvo thing? Like, yeah, cause, cause- I, think, I think the love for it left. Yeah, look, it's it's never – it wasn't just the, the, the financial thing, but, you know, they, they could uh, – I think Gary realised for what it was costing him to run two cars or three cars with a Super 2, they could go and have six TCR cars – you know, a, a half a dozen S5000 cars and four Trans Ams. Yeah. And give the – because Gary's at heart is generally all about giving guys opportunities. Yeah. Giving the young guys a go or giving people a go and getting in there and having a crack. And and he's and he can do that with more people in a competitive base. Yeah. So why not? So well, I've got to ask you the Jimmy Vernon thing because we've had him on the podcast. No, did, yeah. did, you, did you feel any tension when that went out and you, or were you just like, oh, cool, it's my car next? Nah. Nah, I, I I don't really I don't know Jimmy that that well. Like we know of him, but yeah, but, um, yeah. Like it was sort of like unfortunate for him, but um, yeah, you were just like sweet alpha and alpha for me, you know? yeah, <laughs> alpha for me, yeah. So <laughs> I I don't know, like uh, yeah, like I, I don't don't know him well enough. I like feel for him, like he, yeah. he wanted to have a crack and and mix it with the big boys, but it just didn't work for him. So Did- yeah, credit to him, he had a crack. He so. said he said, to, he said on, on our podcast that he came on and he didn't have an engineer. Did you have an engineer by the time you got there? How does that how did it all work with the TCR? It was, it was very clunky when I first turned okay. up. Okay, I could see I could see the reasons Jimmy was having issues. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough I could carry it a bit. Yeah, so okay. just due, due to your background. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. like I could see the stuff ups with the engineering and the mechanicals and. Mm. Like every time, time we raced that car the first year, there's something went wrong. Like we had a problem with the engine falling out of the car. Really? The funniest thing, the engine would literally fall out. Kept breaking this engine mount on the back of the thing. And basically because it wasn't prepared, it wasn't repaired right from when Jimmy crashed it last time. Yeah, okay. Well, 
respect to Jimmy, but a couple of times. So um, anyway, so (laughs) he essentially, yeah, the the, the way the subframe and the engine mount was all repaired. So you'd be plucking gears and next thing you know, the back engine mount's broken then the engine's sitting on the subframe. I was like, we get on the radio, boys, it happened again. Yeah, then the boys get the welder out and then rip the studs out of the rails. It was just all bad. <laughs> and we had this engineer and he was a, excuse me, can we swear? Yeah, you yep. can swear. He was a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> we had this one engineer that was yeah. just, and, and I, <laughs> yeah, we butted because I called him out on it. <laughs> well, you've got that as a background, and, so you're going to get the shits. And, and I had a QR, this right. So on the Saturday, so, on the Saturday, I went, Dylan O'Keefe's winning yeah. in the other alpha next to yeah, us. Yeah, okay. And my car is just an understeering, horrible pig. Yep. And real tailing on entry. And, and he just, the car was all back to front. But we had Greg Crick. Greg Crick was a good yeah. friend of Gary Rogers. And he was also overseeing me as well. Okay. So they had the engineer, then Cricky sort of the overseer. Yep. And it, and I said to Cricky, like, well, I just... Man, I swear this thing turns left better than right. Now, at QR, you generally do funky things with setups with wedge and trying to get – because you mainly turn right. Yeah. Um, I was like, ah, oh, it's just odd. Anyway, Sunday morning, I poke my head under. It turns out the shock settings are, are back to front le- – are not the same left to right. He's basically looked at it counting clockwise one way and then counted anti-clockwise the other way. So there was all, things – Yeah. Yeah, one, say you got 10 clicks. One setting was on two, the other one was on eight. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I feel like you'd be driving like that. Oh, in not, a way. not quite, like, but it's just the way it, the way yeah. it, was, it was very strange. Like I couldn't quite pick it at the time. It went, anyway, so we got that right and, you know, it's just little things like that. Did and then you, yeah. Benny Bargwana was started coming on the scene. He was a mechanic at the next round at Winton. Yeah. Well, in qualifying, the tyre pressures end up at 44 pound. Mm. Now in a TCR car, if you go over 30, mate, forget it. She's all over probably. Yeah. So we ended up... <laughs> We ended up uh, like the engineer just stuffed up the tire pressures. He he basically told Benny the cold pressures as the hot pressures. Yeah, and the, and even Benny said, Are "You sure you want me to do this? Yeah, yeah, it's all good." And he's just arrogant. He was yeah. just, you couldn't tell him otherwise. You know, he was on the back foot, and like this is where I learned how motorsport sort of works. You know, yeah, it's not the driver to tell the engineer how to do their job, but you know, it was a bit cheeky of me to say, "Hey, but I don't think the shock to- setting's right," but. Don't they have to listen to you guys to an extent? Because you're do, the one driving. It's, it's yeah. not me to go check and question his work. Oh, okay, I get you. You have yeah, to yeah. trust yeah, what yeah. they're doing. That's that's why yeah. teams go on a lot about engineer relationship trust. Yeah. yeah. But for me, it was just like I can't fucking trust you because, mate, the bloody thing. Yeah. Car's an absolute bucket. You know, it's we would basically we can't get the tire pressures right. We can't get the shock settings right. So I sort of feel as though I was right in what I was doing. I probably didn't quite go about it the right way, but. You know, mm. we had that issue. Anyway, he actually had to go at Benny for it, which he then later apologised for. Barry got a hold of it, gave him the flick. He said, mate, you're not coming back. Like, it's just not on. So, What, fight him at the track? No, oh. I think the Sunday evening after yeah, the track. So okay. It's a bit hard to fire an engineer at the track. But um, <laughs> anyway, they, they had another young guy that came on for the next round Sandown. It was good, and I had my first podium there at Sandown. We were really fast. The, the other alpha went backwards and we went forward. So finally we got a direction. All right, so you swapped that – did you get another chassis, like another? No, alpha? no, same car. Same car. The engine okay. kept, kept falling out of it. Happened at Winton. Happened at Sandown. Happened at Tail and Bend. So, yeah. um, but the yeah, 
engineering wise, the car became better. Yeah. So, and then that way, I, that's when I learned, right, I've just got to tell the driver, tell the engineer I want more turn, when I want it, how I want it, whatever. And he sorts it out. And that's when I learned, you know, how this works. So, yeah. And Cricky helped me along along the way as well. Yeah. So, so did, you, did, you, did you ever find it intimidating though with these guys just coming through the ranks in the TCR ranks, like coming from go-karts or did you just, did you? No, did, I, never, I, never found, they, I never found it intimidating, but I made a comment before about the, the at Taylor, but I felt as I was missing the edge. And mm. there's just, there was bits of my driving that I learned that I, I'm, uh, I don't, aren't right. And I learned down in my experience. I, I, I didn't think that me doing only doing improved production and production car stuff, mm. you know, wasn't an issue. So but I learned that, you know, these guys that have done go-karts and Formula Four, they've done that many qualifyings, they've done that many race starts, they've done that many they've run the process so many times mm. that it, it, it's a lot of things are second nature for them. Mm. I still got hyped up on the grid, like, oh, we're in a TCR race on this. Yeah. It's, it's where you just like, okay. And, and I'd always stuff up qualifying, you know. Yeah, if the car wasn't right, then I'd stuff it up or something. And the qualifying's got a weak point for me. Though. I got the speed, but it just we just never be able to extract it how it should be. In mm. a race, you know, I could be the fastest car on track, no worries. Mm. But in qualifying, it's just stuff up. So, And I feel as though that's just from my lack of um, yeah. experience and probably lack of um, – are you good on cold tires? Re- reasonably, yeah. Like that, that the 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 tire in TCR is horrible. It's better this year, but you know. Well, the reason I ask that is because my experience from racing all those years is you've got to be fast out the gate on cold tires because that's yeah. The- but the problem is you can't in TCR. Okay, because the tire is so hard. Yeah. If you're fast out of the gate, you will damage the tire. Yeah. Right. So how have you got to drive you, those things then? You just literally got to drive to the grip. Yeah, okay. And that's where the good guys – and my driving style, funny enough, isn't ideal for that. Mm. Um, so – So do you have to draw, drive in a way scaled back to go forward? Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, in a way. Like, mate, honestly, TCR, and most races, if it's below 20 degrees, you're not getting grip until lap three or four. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, in our cars anyway. Mm. The Hyundais and the Audis are a little bit – Spicy, I think. I think they bring them out of the tie blankets before that race. But, uh, aren't they? Aren't they having a World TCR race at Bathurst in the next few years, or not? Is that happening? Is that actually coming to fruition? Yeah, that is. Yeah. Com- so uh, the the World Tour just got the WTCRs uh, ended, mm. and in places the World Tour. Mm-hmm. So we had the Italian, the short little Italian man that runs TCR come out. Oh, we'll Marcello, Marcello, Marcello Lotti, Marcello okay. Lotti, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good dude. Pretty flamboyant. So he um. They announced they're going to bring. There's a world tour, yep, and they want one of those races to be Bathurst. Yeah, right. So they're they're doing it in in a way. Yeah. But is is there any way that you like a bunch of you Aussies can go to each round, or is it or is it just they have like kind of like I don't know if you watch sprint cars, right? So the world of outlaws can go to each track, and that's twenty drivers, and then the rest of them are just locals. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's is, what they're planning. Yeah. Okay, so they so that so those world of TCR drivers will come, and then you join the pack, and then. They go to the next one, and then the others join. Correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's like the world of outlaws. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so they want the cars to be able to go from mm. uh, Bathurst to, I don't know. Yeah. West Macau. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. So uh, they acknowledge that logistically that's quite yeah involved. Yeah. Uh, and they they're offering solutions for that. So you got to um, tell me, by the way, how because I it's I, honestly I find it so confusing. The, the points that you that you have. I oh, thought the Formula I thought the Formula Ford 
points. Like everyone gets confused, with, especially Brooke when she had to semi win the championship. But like your points, I don't understand. Like Tony Di Alberto can finish seventh and eighth, but then still lead the points by a certain amount. But then when it came to the last race, you know what I mean? Like you guys were like within. Mm. I don't understand it all works out. It's, it's like. Basically, uh, TCR is rewarded for consistency. Okay. Most championships are like that. But mm. if you have one DNF, screws you. Yeah. So Will and myself and we're probably the faster cars throughout the year. Yeah. But we both had a DNF each in race one. Yeah. The problem is if you DNF race one, the top ten's reversed. Mm. So you're starting at the back of the, the grid again for race two. But because they were good to reverse, they offer 75% points. Yeah. So you're getting bugger all points for race two anyway. Yeah. So if you win race two miraculously from the back of the grid from mm. 20th, yep. but if you run race one, you're still going to start race three and fifth, but the guy that won race one is probably going to finish yeah, start first. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's frustrating from that point of view and – I can't say I like the reverse grid anymore. Like if you're going to do it, just do the whole bloody grid. I agree. They always do the top, top 10. 10. Yeah. It, 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 it engineers, it takes too much out. It adds the wrong people into the equation. It engineers and it chaos. it takes too many people out. I don't mind the engineering chaos bit, mm. but do the whole grid. Yeah. Don't do this, mm. you know, this half 10 guys there, but you only get a little bit of points and – yeah, they initially reversed the top ten from qualifying because that what they did they did that in Europe. Mm. That was horrible. Like yeah. no, nobody understood it, and and still arguably now no, not many people under, understand it. So, but um, yeah, when, when you get these European guys coming over, do they do they ask you like your racing experience and stuff like that? Because you say they're flamboyant, you know what I mean. And most of these guys are like, oh, you know, blah 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 came from you know go karting, and they come to you and you're like, oh man, I'm just an Aussie mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do they get shocked by that? No, no, no. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, like Ted, but most of the guys I've met are really gr- uh, cool guys, grounded, you know. Yeah. There's pretty straightforward down-to-earth guys. Are so you, Teddy you, Claret came out from France. He, he was a cool dude. Yeah, right. Are you seen any? That's the last time I saw you a few years ago. You had a girlfriend. Are you single now? Are you still got a- uh, No, partnered, Brittany. Yeah, Brittany, Brittany. Oh, so she's still there. Yeah, still there. Yeah, yeah okay. We're, we're practically married, although we're not. <laughs> so she keeps showing me photos of engagement rings and hint, hint. Like, what, are you, what are you saying here? There's a there's a ring. <laughs> so uh, now we we live together and um, yeah. yeah. How long yeah. you been dating for now? What five years? Probably past the dating stage, but yeah, sort of more partners. partners. Well, got a partner, like but um, five four years, four years. Yeah, yeah. okay. What yeah. do you think about you racing cars though? Was it just a? No, I loved just- it. Yeah, she like it's really funny. Her family's so into it now. Like. You know, hated car racing. Her dad was sort of into the F1 on the weekends or whatnot. Now they come out to the racetrack. They love it. You know, so they're into it. So, yeah. <laughs> but it sort of half coincided with the drive to survive thing as well. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone's educated on motorsport now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah cool. So um, their, their first experience watching me was actually in a production car race. Mm. Um, a good friend and sponsor of mine, Scotty Turner, he, I was running a BMW with him and he had a corporate booth at the top. Mm. So guys come out, you know, there's a booth out there. They got absolutely sloshed, champagne, food the whole time. They said, how good's motor racing? This is awesome. <laughs> so I felt sorry for him when they had to come down to Goulburn and sit on the dirt hill once and just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is the real stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your actual thoughts on Wakefield Park because you train with Bozo and you you know you and him how many how many days a week do you work with him or oh I don't like, I, I, we I prepare cars for 
some of his cars and some of yeah. uh, customers. So, but um, that 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 was originally part of your business anyway, regardless of even your own workshop. Yeah, Do you yeah, know that's I mean? right. So, um, yeah, we we, we we we've worked it. You know, in various ways mm. over the last five six years. Yeah, but do you do you think it's do you think in a way that New South Wales needs to manufacture in a way like I know I heard Pheasant Woods extending their their mm. track, but do you think that now because you were saying with Oran Park and stuff that there should be they should be the government trying to at least push Wakefield oh, Park it's, before it's another track? Like the the demand. So, so I'd love to run through numbers, mm. and and someone will have it somewhere, but motorsport consume so much yep. and contribute so much financially to society. You think of the automotive workshops and the track days, the drag guys and all that. You think how much money is spent mm. that in that economy in summer. There's just so much. Like it's got to be more than soccer, football boots and some shin pads. Yeah. You know, people are spending hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, a hundred thousands on their, on their cars. And to go do some track days or drag race or whatever, and and New South Wales is just screaming out for race tracks. Mm. Don't know where to run them. Yeah, it's annoying now because as, as Brooke was saying before, there's literally, you know, we have to pay I don't know four grand for a day for half a day yeah. even at Eastern Creek now because yeah, there's no yeah. space for anyone. But, it's ridiculous. It's bizarre. Like the race tracks would be, uh, they only seem so, so profitable. You know, I think Wakefield Park was doing pretty well. Um, I think obviously Eastern Creek's, you know extremely profitable racetrack um, and yet you can't build them anywhere. And and no, no one, it's not an election issue, so no no one up top in, in government says it's an issue, you know, because they, they're all in um, street track supercar land if they are, you know, because that's how they're sold, the numbers work. Um, but racetracks, it's just not, it's not, it's not on their radar, yeah. does, which is sad. Does John bring, because I, when I saw at Eastern Creek a few well, a few months ago now, were you, are you just mechanicing for him or giving driver coaching? How's that all? How does his race? Oh, mate, mechanicking, mate. Yeah. yeah so, okay. and that's Charlie. So behind. we run the, the the track. He runs the track school race team. Yeah. Um, so I I look after, you know, the cars for a few of the guys in that. So some of the guys that own the cars, I prepare the cars and bring them out, and then Bozo does a bit of driving driving stuff, and then I'm the engineer sort of mechanic as well. So. Yeah. What do you think of Bozzo though? Because he's done a bit of supercars himself. What's what's his career? Bozzo's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. He, look, he's got a he's got a good story. He's done everything. But he was a radio host at one stage. Really? He's a DJ. No he was way. an electrician. No way, really? I've got to bring him on. Get Boz on. Boz Boz has done he, he's done stuff. So he was like yeah. not us, but older generation. He he was he was this um Kermit the Frog yeah. on Triple M. Apparently that was a thing on yeah okay on go the on breakfast show or something yeah yeah, yeah. then he did DJing um yeah. so he's a full full on like extrovert party yeah, guy yeah well no he's, he's not oh, he doesn't he, drink the weed yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> and like I've never seen him drink alcohol and he goes I just don't like it I just don't drink like whenever mm. we go to the pub with the boys at Goulburn or whatever he mm. just doesn't drink he's yeah. like how the hell did you DJ like <laughs> he's like yeah I used to play at um, Scruffy Murphy's you know in the city I was like mate that is like the most Outrageous <laughs> tourist club. Oh God, I remember that. That was down the road from UTS. That mm. was a place that, yeah, that the stories I heard from that place. We were too scared to go in. We didn't yeah. know what we were going to catch. <laughs> yeah, everybody else. Yeah, who knows what disease you get there? So that was Bob. Bob's with DJ there. So, and then um, he was obviously a car nut growing up. He was an electrician. Yeah, right by trade, he was an electrician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then he'd work five jobs and 
at a time and pay for his racing and then he had guys. The racing thing evolved for him. He did some driver um, yeah. stuff with Luffy and he always drove stuff on and off. His, his father was an incredibly talented Motocana Australian champion. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. won the Australian Motocana title for years. Boz, I think, actually won a, a Motocana title. So car control and all that, that mate, yeah, got it to a T. So, and then the Traxxel thing just evolved from all his experiences and his um, and skills. That- that basically, I think most of his cars from Wakefield when that when it was there, they did he did he shelve them there or at his house and then create Traxtel through cars that he collected in a way. I don't know how how he's because oh, yeah, he's just a massive mad car. man. He's just buying and selling cars. I, I, he's got a problem. Yeah, he, and I've told him this. He he just literally buys and sells cars. He, he gets so much enjoyment out of jumping on Facebook. Oh, this looks like a mad deal. Sweet buys that, flicks that, does this. Mate, he's unbelievable. <laughs> Do you know so, the story of when, well, obviously Wakeful Park shut down, but he before it shut down, I think a, like a, one of his customers drove under his van or something or were you there that yeah, day? Yeah, I wasn't there. But oh. yeah, still to this day, the full story isn't really known, but yeah, the, the Lotus got caught under a van. The yeah. guy had, yeah, it was during COVID and the guy had gone to drive out of the pits. Mm. Anyway, he gassed it up or the throttle stuck on. It's yeah. one of the two. And he's just gone, he's, you know, the car's just accelerated straight out as he's gone out of his garage and Boz's van is just outside of the garage. Yeah. Then the, the Lotus is being low, his nosed underneath it, and the throttle's still on and the, the, the Lotus is literally, the van has climbed over the Lotus. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. So um, it was thought that the throttle jammed on, but if anybody knows engineering, how drive-by-wires work, they cannot jam on. It just doesn't. The, 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 the way a properly designed drive-by-wire system works, you, they will not jam on. Yeah. So you could pretty much write that off and your foot could get stuck on the pedal, maybe, you know, whatever. I, the the rumour going around was the guy was a little bit – it was his second day at Goldwyn and he was a little bit dusty from the night before. Yeah, right. So <laughs> the other story on Goldwyn is, through Bozo as well, was they had the iconic Wakefield Park Bridge. Were you there that day when it – when it got drove into? No. Oh, yeah. It's apparently one of the teams. Oh, sorry, I heard about this. Yeah. And the Toyo Archway. The Toyo Archway, and It's yeah. not there anymore. No, it's gone. Sorry, for, no, I did but, hear about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did, well, that was through John Boston's arm. Um, yeah. I think one of his driver coaching days. Yeah. 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 It's gone, so they didn't rebuild it. No. Nah. It, it was the most iconic part of the track was the archway. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> I've got to ask before we close this podcast, though, when you um, we, with, with your viral Honda Civic, when when you departed with it, did, is there a reason why you wanted to go back to your original car? The Zoo, is it called Zusk? No, the, the nickname is Zook. Yeah, Zook. if you're on a Suzuki's yeah. a pretty um, popular, believe it or not, mm. <laughs> um, in the four wheel driving world. Yeah, yeah, you know, Suzuki Sierras and Chimneys and off roading, mm. and they all called them Zooks. Yeah, so just called mine that. Yeah, so, um, that was a bit of an engineering project that I took on in that. It's lightweight, and if you put a turbo to a light, something light, it's bloody fast. You don't need a lot of power to go fast. Yeah. So um, I turbocharged back in 2013 because I was sick of driving with 100 horsepower and everyone going past me. And it was it was fast, but it was just horrible. It was it was horrible to drive. It torque steered. It everything broke on it. It was all bad. So anyway, I thought I went back. They got parked for a few years and the Hondas came along. We raced that. And then mm. once the Hondas sold, I thought I'd better do something with that car. Um, and 
turned it into what it is today. Yeah. So I went back and re-engineered everything. Like the the front engine gearbox is like a basically it's just a front solid member of the car. So mm. um, all with and I like rules. So yeah. you know there's there's a few little tricky things in the rules um, that I've taken advantage of. So I've turned this shitbox car that was designed for 80 horsepower yep. into this fire-breathing animal with 350 horsepower. <laughs> so, and I knew the car could be fast and, and you know, yep. a bit eye-opening. Um, but the reliably was going to be the next question. And I could do it on a budget. That was the important thing. I could do a lot of the work myself and do it on a budget. Yeah. Because it's still quite a simple car. The engine engine gearbox, I think, cost me four grand. Yeah. And it makes 350 horsepower. So, you know, so... All the auxiliaries cost a lot more than that, but it's all just basic parts. Yeah. So that was a bit of an engineering project and, um, yeah, I'm sort of pretty happy with what I achieved with it. You basically said, though, in an interview that it's like a 1980s TCR car in a way. It is. It it's, is. It's a 1980s TCR car. Yeah. So it's it's actually faster than a TCR in a straight line. Really? So it, in a TCR car, it does about 250 or 260, I think, down Conroy. Yeah. Um, that thing did 270. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's 240 down the straight at Eastern Creek, 235, yeah. 240 with a tailwind. Um, you know, it's all like it's, you know, it's pretty fast, but then um, mid-corner aero and brakes, it's obviously nothing like the, the current cars. So, But do you, know. you try to get it out in front because it starts to shit itself and start to go backwards? Is there a certain <laughs> way to drive that thing to keep it out in front? Uh, just keep it in a straight line, drive the talks to you. So, um it's funny, I had the Nationals, the Improved Production Nationals in that car, and the, and the worst thing is the gearbox. So when you're in front, you're fast, you're in clean air, you can go. The, the car actually races well. And it doesn't get hot or anything like that. So in the traffic, it's good. But when you're side by side, everyone's got dog boxes and all that. So when they're, they're plucking gears, you're with the old H-pattern, dip the clutch and, yeah. you know, and then they grab an edge on you, then the turbo winds up, then you get them back. It's sort of – it's a bit hard to race without a proper gearbox, but – um yeah, right. Have you done any open wheel at all? Like any? Nothing, man. Nothing at all. I'd love to one day. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm keen to do a bit more rear wheel drive stuff, mate. Because anything, anything rear wheel drive I've driven, I reckon I'm better in that than a front wheel drive. Yeah, right. So, do you uh, want to have do you want to have a crack at supercars or anything or not? Really? Yeah, that'd be the dream. Yeah, yeah. so you still. Yeah, and, you I've, actually- and I've told Barry that I said, mate, like, you know, like, you know, the dream would, you know, as a driver, you want to get to the pinnacle of Australian motorsport, and that's supercars. Yeah. So. If I can do it, yeah. Have you spoken to like pinch partners about that at all? Or are you yeah, still like I've it? spoken to the people around. Look, the the budget to start with is is probably a bit out of our realm. But what's yeah. the difference between TCR's budget and supercars budget if you were to gap it though? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, even it's for double, like, double, really? Yeah, really. Yeah. So a top line TCR drive is like you can't even make the back of the yeah, yeah it's, it's double. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Top line TCR drive versus top line Super Two is double. Yep. Yep. So you you've got. Um. Yeah, six rounds of uh, six rounds of Super Two and seven of TCR. Yeah, you know it's um. Yeah, it's sort of it's a yeah. Unfortunately, it's you know for to do it properly that the budget like that you know it's um you know and it'd be hard to do it. You've seen plenty of guys, Cameron Crick, for instance, run around in, a, in, a, in not the best car mm. and have an average season. What, what did that do for you? You know, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and so if you were to do it, you'd basically line yourself up to be in top equipment to have at least one well, crack at it in look, a way or look, two seasons. Well, look, that'd be the go. Yeah, but, you know that'd be the dream. But sometimes you got to take the opportunities that are presented in front to, of you. So yeah. you know, if it's if it's the right opportunity, well then you do it. But mm. if it's 
just wobbling around doing nothing and yeah. it's costing money and bleeding everyone dry, well, you yeah. know, so it's it's sort of got to work, you know, for, and and that can just be, that can that's in more ways than just driving for a top team in a top car. Do you yeah. think though, us like obviously racing every year and putting so much money towards Motorsport Australia that they should give some back and at least have some national funding purses like in America to keep us racing on the track. Does that make sense to you? I don't really know how it works over over there. So for me, because I've studied racing like no tomorrow, right, in in America especially, not more so in Europe, a bit in Europe, but they have purses for the top 10, right? And at at the end of the year you get, I don't know, 50K, 40K, but that pushes the top five into the next class. We're putting putting so much money into Motorsport Australia with our licenses, our event fees, everything, and then – you know, sure enough, we don't even get an awards night. Well, they're even doing that in other sports now. Like I years ago when we swam, there was yeah. no money. But I'm hearing now like for like the top 20 in different events and that, I think it was top 10 something. Like someone was saying, I don't know if I got this right, like the 10th was getting like 30K a year. They're actually making money because they're going, you know, they're doing the IL leagues over like those leagues in yeah, um, yeah. Europe and America and they actually pay a salary. So it's not necessarily depending where you are, you could live off, but it's better than nothing. Like that never existed when I did it. Like you either made it or you starved. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. then that's why I said to Dan, you've got all these other sports doing it, but I'm not seeing it in a sport that has yeah. so much money in it. So that's what I'm saying because you said like you're a great driver in TCR, but you want to do supercars, but there's no – bridge point for you to say if you won the TCR championship, you know, happy days, it's great. Mm. Right. And you're like to you, to your sponsors, pinch partners or whatever, you know, I want to go to supercars. But the thing is, if we had that purse that I just brought up, that would essentially bridge a bit more of the gap for you to actually make the leap to that. Yeah. Do you see where I'm, the, see where I'm coming look, the from? The thing is you probably couldn't attack it that way. Like mm. you'd have to, you'd have to use the opportunity of, of growing, you can't mm. just take what you've got. You'd have to go right, bigger and better sponsors, or yeah, um, you know, do you have a value to a team? Can they bring some money? Like, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, that's how a lot of drivers I think end up getting there. Is it's just you sort of you winning championships is is cru- mm. you know cru- crucial. Yeah, you know, because it just proves to you that you you've got what it takes. Yeah, at, at a high, you know, to 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 do it in a way. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Will Brown, for instance, you know, he won a lot of championships on his way up mm. and the and the opportunities came to him. He had a bit of financial backing and, and, it, and it worked. Yeah. So the thing is with motorsport, it, it, there's just no black and white way. In swimming, you win races, you're the best. In yeah. soccer, you're the best soccer player, you come with us. You know, it, in motor, motorsport, it just doesn't work like that. Mark Webber wrote that in his book. Yeah. You know, right. his, his results are in no way a measure of success. Yeah, right. And, and it's so true in motorsport. It's just there's just so much at play and it's a sport that consumes so much that how can you, you know, it's frustrating not to see the money put back in, but there's just so much required to do it. Mm. So, yeah, it's you've got to be pretty open-minded with this stuff, you know, if you're trying to work you out the ladder. That's what I've learned anyway. Yeah. When you don't have the the financial, if the finance finances are just completely covered, well, then you've just got to purely focus on, your driving ability and and, yeah. and just worry about getting up in the morning and going and driving cars. But if that's you've you've got so many other things to play at, your strategies I think are a little bit different. Yeah. So um that's why know, like- and a lot of people forget that, you know, just having the finances is one thing. Like mm. you, you like just because you got money doesn't mean you You're you fast. Know, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, like I mean look you look at Jack Smith, look yeah, it got him there. Mm. Um to to the premium but 
is why we were around the back of the grid. If you're a genuine racer mm. who wants to win and do well, you you find a way to make that happen. Yeah. And even if you've got the finances or you don't, like, it's just only yeah. one part of the equation. Yeah. And you've got a goal to do supercars, obviously. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the number one goal. It would be like I'd like to prove myself against the best in Australia. I think TCR, there's a very good depth of drivers there, but against um, be, it would be good to, yeah, want to mix it with the best, you know, and um, – Supercars, mate. You know, we grew up watching it. Yeah. You know, so it's Bathurst and. Did you have anyone you looked up for? Like, was it Scaife? Oh, no, Lounsey. Lounsey. Hated Scaife. Hated him. <laughs> Hated him. Scaife was a knob. Lounsey. <laughs> Lounsey. Lounsey uh, was my man. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. What, what era do you remember him, though, for like the nostalgic point of view? Do you remember him from. Like, <laughs> sure. Oh, good. The Green Eyed Monster. The Green Eyed Monster. The, w, the double O. Um, yeah. Gibson Motorsport Falcon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that was your first memory of him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pretty right. much. Loved, loved it to a T. I, I, he signed my forearm out at uh, Oran Park once back in the day when he was driving that uh, that car. So yeah, right. I remember that clearly. And um, yeah, he got a bit lost at FPR when he went there and then obviously the Triple Eight. But yeah, always, I was always a fan of Tanda. Always mm. liked Tanda. Tanda's mm. a racer. Yeah. And, and race against him too. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a genuine racer, man. He's like, a genuinely good bloke too. Yeah. And a good yeah. dude. So yeah. He, um, yeah, I always like our team too. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jordan, you've basically made it to the end of the podcast, but we've got one more thing. I don't know if you've done your research <laughs> on the show, which is called the Fast Five. Yeah. Have you heard the Fast Five before? Uh, oh, you haven't no. got to that point. Yes, <laughs> right at the end. But we're going to have a leaderboard coming yeah. like next year. We're going to start to make on yeah. this one. Kind of like yeah. your, I think who was it suggested? Was it Tommy Sargent for um, like no, – uh, yeah, it, it's, it was, it's wasn't Tom it? Sargent leads at them. Oh, no, well, no, no. technically from season Cam two. Hill. This is a competition. Cam this, Hill's this, leading. Is, this is a competition. So when your podcast goes up, there will be a leaderboard on social media. And basically you need to get five out of five to lead that board, <laughs> right? But it is a it is a multiple choice slash quiz yep. basically, isn't it, Brooke? Yep, yep, motorsport quiz. And within this leaderboard, you still will win a prize no matter what. But the higher- Is supercars drive? If it's over three, you get a good price. Well, they're all hidden behind Dan's desk. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And otherwise, so, if it's less than three, well, it's something yeah. fun that Dan finds behind there. You'll yeah. basically either get a, a shit prize or a good prize, <laughs> but you want to aim for you want to aim for three decent decent questions. You know, you can or 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 you can get five out of five and be on the top of the leaderboard. But cool. The, all right. the first question is. When was the car company Honda founded? Is it A, 1927, B, 1938, C, 1948, or D, 1977? I'll go over that again. Was it A, 1927, B, 1938, C, 1948, or D, 1977? Honda's been around for a really long – I think they did some pre-World War II stuff, so I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A, 1927? Yeah. You want to stick with that question? Yeah. yeah, that's what you mean. <laughs> well, unfortunately, no, that is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that is no. C, 1948. 1948. 1948, yep, yeah. is, is when it was first founded. Um, yeah, cool. All right, all right, the next one is which former supercar team outside of Gary Rogers Motorsport competed – which former supercar team outside of Gary Rogers Motorsport competed in the inaugural Australian TCR Championship? Another multiple choice. Is it A, Matt Stone Racing, B, Tickford Racing – C, Kelly Racing or D, Triple Eight Race Engineering? I'll go over that again. Is we'll it, say the question again. Which supercar team competed in the TCR Championship 
Australian team, would you rate what you racing yeah. outside of Gary Rogers? So Gary Rogers came from yeah. supercars. There was a few up. There was technically another. Is this a true question? I was thinking it, there's no, two answers. No, 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 no. This is this it is. It says a, former supercar team. Form, here. Yeah, which? No, oh yeah, former supercar team. Yeah. Well, Kelly's. Kelly, there you go. There you go. That That's was your answer. But Stones did it as well. Did they? Yeah. I did not know that. Stone ran Jason Bright's car. Really? The Volkswagen. I did not know that. Oh wow! So I get, the po- I get the point back for the first there one. There you go. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Books are referee here. Bro. I'm going to give him that. He, yeah. got, he, he pulled you out on that one. So yeah, yeah, you okay. got two now. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Books are referee so here. Bridie had the the golfs with uh, Alex Whitley, and then yeah, because I remember speaking to him because he he was a bit disappointed. It didn't work out quite well with them, mm. and because I think they were a bit too focused on their supercar stuff, and then yeah. NPC ended up running the golfs. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it was best stone, was it? I generally thought it was just Kelly Racing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, question three. Go. So how many, what, what's he up to? Two. Two? Okay. Two. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> All right, third one. What team did my coach Barton Moore race for in the ARG series in 2019-20 before COVID? Was it A, Melbourne Performance Centre, B, Gary Rogers Motorsport, or C, Mildun Motorsport? Mildun. There we go. It was correct. Yep. C. So what's three? Yeah. Oh, yep. so you're on towards a good prize. Oh, you got We're on here. Technically you could go to the top of the leaderboard. Tommy Sargent got four four out of four and a half. Four, four and a half out of yep. five. So yeah. there you go. So you're close. And from season one, Cameron Hill got five out of five. Oh, season two, sorry. Uh, got right. Five out yeah. of five. But anyway. Of course, you could, you he, could... he's good at everything he does. <laughs> <laughs> I even made engineering ones, the questions about the Porsches, and he's like, Yep, this, this. I was like, oh god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um how many rally championships has Molly Taylor won? Is it A, eight, B, seven, or C, six? I've got no idea, man. Just have a stab at it. <laughs> I had to catch you out on one of them. <laughs> is it eight, seven, or six? Or seven. Seven? Brooke, what is it? It was six. It was oh, six. No. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave Brooke to this one. Well, um, I made this one easier because you were so cruel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, how many years was it when they had two Bathurst 1000 races a year due to having multiple touring car categories in the country? What years? Or how yeah, many how, years? Uh, how many, year, no, how many years in, in a row oh, yeah. did they have two Bathurst 1000s? I know this. Uh, when they had super tours and super yeah, cars. Yeah, it was 97. Yep. 98. Yep. I don't think they did 99. No, that's correct. What you just said is correct. It's two. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember any of the Bathurst winners those years from the Super Tourers and the Yeah, it was, it was the first year was Paul Morris and Luke Searle. Was it Luke Searle? No, no. That was we, Paul Paul Morris. No, no, that was wrong. It was Ricard Rydell in. That was ninety eight. Ricard. Oh, Rydell. Ricard Rydell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. It no, was, Steve Richards and no, Ricard no, Rydell. No, uh, um, no, the Brabham, the, the Brabham's actually won it. Oh really? Yeah. The was it Bra- Paul Morrison Brabham? Or Paul was, Mor- it was one of the BMWs. Anyway, we did have those stats there, but <laughs> <laughs> No, I was on a mad super tour and that. Rydell and Jim Richards. Yeah. Brooke can look it up on Wikipedia right now, or right? I've got no interest. Because yeah. Steve Richards followed home Jim in the yeah. Primera. Yeah, so Steve one year one year, Stephen one year, then that same year, what you're saying is correct. Yeah. Jim Richards won one race and then Stephen won the yeah, other. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it was such a it was so weird though. Some cool kid. stats. Aaron Noonan, I feel as they would know all that sort of like yeah. weird sort of wacky stuff. Anyway, so Brooke, what was it? Four out of five. Yeah, four out of five. Four out of five, and you get a coupe for the first one because you answered. You beat me in a question. Cool. 
Um, Brooke can do this whole segment herself. Oh, do you? Is that what you're doing now? I'm okay. Gonna get, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna let Brooke take the mic here and finish off the podcast. Oh, we'll basically. share them, but yeah. yeah. So we do every couple of episodes a getting to know segment for certain, like any, like every couple of five episodes. So there's yeah. a few that have done this. It's ten quick fire questions. Yep. And you, we just ask them, and it's the first thing that comes to your mind. And this is just so people get to know random things about you. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. So, one, what's one thing people are surprised to find out about you? Um, <laughs> I got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, that you, like, you work on your own race cars? I work, yeah, yeah. Work on my own race cars. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Two. How do you feel about garden gnomes? Oh, so there's something your grandma, your grandparents should have. <laughs> <laughs> they don't belong today. Uh, three. How is how hard is the hardest you've ever been slapped, and where on your body was it? Oh, probably probably in the face during a water polo match. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting was, for that. Was, yeah, from a from a bloke that probably couldn't punch. <laughs> yeah. my, my my mine was my ass when I was a kid. <laughs> um, okay. Would you ever risk going to prison for racing? <laughs> How much does it mean to you? How much does it mean to you, mate? I was thinking about this. It's dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Depends what the offence is for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't risk it. Okay. Uh, Brooke, you can do number five. Number five. What do wood and alcohol have in common? You, I don't know. I got confused. Whiskey. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. What is I said barrels? it depends how you want to read the question. That's okay. why it's left to interpretation. Yeah. It's just left uh, to whiskey, interpretation. Hey. Yeah, I think it's whiskey. Yeah. I agree. Aging, you aging you alcohol. Did, you get wood after alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. All right, All right, next one is, why is it okay to eat chicken but not cat? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I think you just said it. <laughs> um some people like chicken. chicken tastes nice. I mean, in in other countries they do eat experimental meat, but yeah, <laughs> chicken we have has got steroids in it anyway. So I don't know, pumping a cat into steroids, cat, a steroid with cats probably weird. Yeah, um, Brooke, you can do seven. All right, because we're at Christmas time. For anyone listening, this was recorded right before Christmas. What's the worst Christmas present you've ever been given? I'm not really a presents guy. Was there anything when you were a kid that you thought? I did not ask for this. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm humble and grand enough to accept any yep. present you get with grace. Yep. So yep. I don't think I, uh, I don't think I've had a bad one. Yeah, that's what good. I can think of. All right, what would be the rudest animal if they could talk? A cat. It's exactly what Dan said. Yeah, I love 100%. that. <laughs> snobbish, like yeah. <laughs> the yeah. attitude you get from one. Yeah. Um, you're up next at the jukebox. What song would you pick at the pub? You're with oh, Bozo this time around. We'll I'm a it. punk rock guy. Yeah. So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm vibing this one song I've heard, like, Wagon Wheel. Yeah, right. It, like, I don't know, I've heard it. I've never heard it. Darius, Darius Rucker? No. Is it what is oh, it? Oh, man, new, it's it? like a boot and scooting, you know, like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a banger. Yeah. yeah. And, well, Brooke, you can say this one because you're the producer of the podcast. All right, your final question. <laughs> Rate this podcast on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best interview you've ever had. That's 11. 
It's 11. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, George. But before you go, because it is Christmas and Brooke just mentioned that. Yeah, what's your prize? Oh, no. Before, I'll get to that. Oh, sorry, okay, I'll get sorry, to that. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I, I want to, oh, I'll give you your prize. It's all good. <laughs> it was four out of, five out of five or four out of five? It was like four out of five. Okay, good. Yeah, so yeah. that's in the bank, George. But I just want to know, what do your family do for Christmas? So you, did, you said you weren't much of a Christmas type of man. Or do you uh, have a bit not, of- not different Christmas. Not so much presents. Uh, yeah. Bit of a simple guy, aren't I? Just, I'm sure, yeah, people, girlfriend asked for Brittany asked what I wanted for presents. I don't know. Mum or mum's given up asking, so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I'm sort of one of if I want something, I'll just get it. You know. Yeah. So, um, the we we family. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Uh, Is it mum, a big family thing though, or not really? It depends. Uh, there's not many people on my dad's side, so mm. um, there's not many men in our family. They all sort of die. So, <laughs> so that is. Jeez. No, no uncles, no grandfathers. There's just, there's just, there's just my dad actually, and that's it. So I got a couple of cousins. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, I got four cousins. So, yep. um, two of them are dudes. So it's good, but they're everyone's also scattered around the globe. Actually, ones in England, ones in America, ones in France, yep. all working various things over there. So, um, we, we look. Aunties are here, so we all just sort of hang out. Nana's still around, so we uh, just get some some second cousins as well. So we just have lunch and ham and oh, I love um, ham! Hey, the roast oh, ham, the, the roast ham, and it just lasts <laughs> for weeks in the yeah. fridge. Just take out a little bit, See, you know, the so, sandwiches, yeah. salads. Oh, yeah, it. I tell you the coolest thing for me. I never had turkey. Turkey's really growing up, and mm. then I, you know, got I got involved with Brooke and her family, and oh, I'm now oh, turkey. Turkey's just like. There's nothing super special. I think for our family it's just because, like, my mum being the Italian there and that, they just like the big Christmases and that. And yeah, I think it's right. just more you've got your turkey things. Yeah, when turkey in a way, when yeah, Dan yeah. had it finally, he's like, this is turkey. And I'm like, yep, welcome to turkey, Dan. That's yeah. just turkey. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've, you've made it to the end of the podcast, George, so I thought I'd give you a bit of a celebration because yes. you lasted this long. Yes, I so, love those. So uh, Merry Christmas from Brooke and myself. And <laughs> Thanks, guys. And thank you for coming on. Cheers. Thanks for celebration coming Celebration time. That's Good. it. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can also find the full episode and highlights on YouTube. Yes, you can see your favourite guests and us on camera. All the links are in the show notes and don't forget to subscribe to the channel. We'll see you next week for another awesome episode.